I love YouTube as the space in which an individual can put themselves out there. I think creators have a duty to do that. I think people who stay out of politics, I know it's for their brand and for their business, and also get that bag and support your house and your family and pay your mortgage, but also there's not like a moral obligation, in my opinion, to at least give voices to other people. Mm-hmm. The channel and the growth that I've had with it and the opportunities it's provided me is probably the one thing I'm the most proud of in my life. To be completely candid, completely honest, getting 100k and getting a plaque was like mind-blowing. Like, um, uh, like I was very emotional when it arrived, I was emotional when I got it. Prior to YouTube, a lot of the jobs that I did, which mainly like were in banking and I, I was a failed teacher and shit, because I started my postgrad and hated it. I always felt like I was failing. I always felt like I failed at everything and never really got anywhere. And then like the channel and being online and talking to people and that sort of thing is the first thing I've ever felt successful at. But I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I'm very happy with where I am. I'm very lucky to be where I am. The 100K is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Which is kind of wild to say out loud, but it's 100% true. Like, I absolutely, I love it. Welcome to Humans of Magic. My guest this week is Pleasant Kenobi. Pleasant Kenobi, aka Vince, is a YouTuber focusing on Magic the Gathering and Warhammer 40k content. The man is deeply passionate about community, gaming, and politics. He is absolutely not afraid to speak his mind. Vince cares a lot about his craft. In fact, he has a ton of actionable insights for creators. I encourage you to check out the timestamps of this episode. In particular, I enjoyed his digressions on Warhammer 40k content and why he chooses to balance magic with 40k. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Pleasant Kenobi. Thank you for tuning in to the audio version of Humans of Magic. This project is a labor of love, and I do it on a part-time basis. I wanted to let you know about all the ways that you can support the project. Number one, tell a friend. If you like the content, please pass it on and let others know about the pod. I'm always looking for new listeners. Number two, subscribe to the Humans of Magic YouTube channel. The video version of the podcast is the best one because you can see my guests. You can see all their fun expressions and it's awesome. Go to humansofmagic.com and find all my social links there, including YouTube. That's humansofmagic.com. Last but not least, I have a Humans of Magic Patreon at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Totally optional but your direct support goes a super long way. Patrons will have access to my exclusive Discord chat and will have the ability to suggest future guests. If you like the sound of that, head on over to patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Once again, thank you for being a fan and thanks for listening. Let's get to this week's episode. So one of the things that I, I realized when I did the first recording and I, and I, um, I listened back to it, it's just like, that was the first, I feel like that was the first real breakthrough conversation that I had on the show was with you. Uh, okay. By the way, we're here with Pleasant Kenobi, uh, AKA uh, Vince. Uh, just level, the, level that one at me. What, what, what do you mean by that? Sorry. What do you mean by that? I'll, what I mean is like, when I did the interview with you back then, I think it was like episode 60. And I think right now we've had, I've had 
close to 120 episodes. So that was like a long, long, long time ago. But I just felt like that was the aesthetic that I always wanted to have, which is like you talk to somebody in detail about their life and how they got into content creation, because I've really kind of settled this year on just making it about like content creators journeys. But mm. what really stood out is not that I'm a great interviewer, which I'm not. I'm just saying like, I think back then I was like, even I was like super mechanical. I, I feel like I feel almost embarrassed listening back to, I think That's we talked the in the past about videos though, right? You it's just like, I thought I knew how to speak, but I, I was just really stiff to be really honest. Right. I was like, I was like James Lipton and uh, just like, with cue cards and just like but, but one question after the next. You'll probably feel not the same energy, but a similar energy about your stuff now. Like I think about this. I think about how I look back at something a year ago and I'm like, oh, I could have done that better. And I know I look back, I put a video yesterday. Even really a year of. ago, because you're really, because yeah. you're, you're so accomplished. <laughs> uh, I guess, maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, because sometimes I, because not only is it things like, oh, um, I could have said that better, I could have articulated that better, but also there'll be things like, oh, I framed the camera badly there. Or I remember, oh, that was the day when I had something else I needed to do in the afternoons. That video was a lot more hastily edited than I wanted it to be. So there's less fancy, like, things on screen, stuff like that. But I think you never get away from that because you're always improving, right? Like that's in theory. It's the same way that whenever you look at a photo of yourself on Facebook from five years ago, you're always like, well, actually, no, I've got the age now where I'm jealous of how, like, um, in shape I looked. 10 years ago compared to now, I guess. <laughs> so there's that element. But you always look back and think, what was I wearing? What was that haircut? Because times change and you grow as a person, right? It's always weird to look back at yourself. Yeah. But but about your YouTube content, I feel like because as a YouTuber, you're under so much time constraints, you can always rationalize making non-optimal decisions, right? Like you said, okay, I, I don't really, I didn't really love the way it was cut, but you know that, okay, sure, I can... If I can yeah. go back in time, maybe I spent like another five hours on it, but maybe, maybe you don't have those yeah, five hours. I, I mean, right? there, there's a video. So yesterday we had the, so this is a literal example of this. So yesterday I had the Warhammer gameplay with the decks coming out, which was time constraints. because the decks were out on Friday. So it had to come out early as possible. I'll be honest, I wanted to beat Game Nights to the Punch as well, because they'll eat up the views as well. People are going to watch them over me. So I have to go out tomorrow. And then Wizards dropped the ball with the $1,000 four packs of like proxies. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And I was just like so blown away by it. I was actually in a call with some patrons just chilling while I was editing a thumbnail. I was like, I've got to go make something now. So I rushed off to make it. I got the video out in like less than an hour from learning about it. And I knew for a fact that I could have put more things on screen, more visual identifiers. Mm -hmm. I ended up after the video went out, I was on Photoshop editing up assets to do for a short for it. That could take a bit more time. But my point is, yeah, I could have spent so much more time. I could have spent, I could have spent like four hours making that look nicer, but I have, yeah. you have to concede the point that you can't That's do breaking that. news, man. you got to exactly. get on that. So with yeah. news content, it's even worse. And then sometimes also you, you leave a deadline with a sponsor to the last minute and you're like, uh, I'm going to have to put this out. And, I'm and you're annoyed at yourself because you're like, oh, I could have made this look so much fancier. But that's the case right. in all jobs, all j lines of work, right? You must have worked yeah. jobs where you're like, I want to work on this longer and longer and longer. I just can't. It's got to go out. Essays. University, I used to do like this as well. I could have worked on an essay yeah. infinitely forever. But like, no, at some point you've got to call it quits and move on to the next thing. It's about, yeah. Are you a perfectionist? Perfection? No, no. I think maybe there's an element of it in me, but I'm very good at being like, I just can't be. You, you just can't be. There's, you've only got so much time in the day. You've only got so much energy. At some point you've got to, mm -hmm. for your own mental health and your own capacity, be like, I'm going to have to just stop here and put this yeah. out. Um, yeah. And sometimes that's annoying. Um, paint, there's another model, pa weird thing. Model painting has done this to me as well. So like I can paint, I can probably paint a character model like almost forever. But at some point you've got to be like, well, there's like, <laughs> there's like 400 other guys in this army that I need to paint. I need to stop painting this one guy. 
And then you yeah. also learn with that, like your baseline troops that don't have to look that good, but characters as everyone looks at really closely. So you know mm -hmm. your big videos, like your extras, character yeah. models. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those ones you spend more time on. The big video or the character. The front baseline mm -hmm. troops or your news video that comes out on a Tuesday because something happened, they can be a bit more rushed, I guess. I mean, what's, the I've most, I don't know. what's the longest you've ever spent painting a character? <laughs> Just I'm roughly. I'm not sure, honestly. Because I normally... Like five years? Five, five <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe like 10 hours. Maybe 10 hours. I'm going to spend character. like two months working on the pupil here and then like <laughs> three I months also, on the hand. There's an interesting thing where people comment that I don't take very long. People are like, you're so fast because I have this thing of like, it's from content creation. No, that's done. Move on. Get on to the next thing. Um, so I'll do, I'll be like, I spent six hours on this and I could spend another four to make it much, much better. But I'm like, nah, it looks good enough for six hours. I'm done. So uh, maybe 10 yeah. hours on one character, maybe. But yeah. Nice, nice. So uh, just to just to super briefly go back to what I was yeah. trying to say, um, and I, and I this, is my, this is my this is my fault like too, because because <laughs> it's like whenever now I'm doing this interview, it's like this is what I love now too is kind of like we kind of go on tangents, and I love having tangents. Whereas before I was just like super mechanical, like with the cue cards in front of me. Uh, but I just felt like that interview back then was great because you were also just like down to talk about it. Because like I've actually interviewed a whole bunch of content creators, and I'm not gonna mention them by name, right? You can just go through the back catalog, but some are better at talking about their craft than others. And you are just mm. someone who are good. At, you're just good at talking about your craft. Like the, the reason the episode worked was because even by 2022 standards, it's because you're willing to be very honest. Like sometimes I just ask people like, how did you do this? And they're like, I have no idea. I mean, they don't really say that. They don't literally say that, but effect yeah. effectively, they have nothing to really say. Maybe and those people maybe are naturally it is just very like, good. Maybe they're just naturally good at what they do. That's maybe, the maybe they are. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe the flaw is just like trying to unlock the one secret, just like a YouTube title. But it's not that easy. It's like luck. It's a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's all luck, but it's like skill and luck. There's, and a, there's a big element of like being in the right place at the right time to get noticed and stuff. And there is luck as well in terms of. There's a famous video talking about how PewDiePie got to his like stature on YouTube, right? And that it talks about him being an English speaker living in Europe. Um, yeah. But like, and all the things like geographic locations and tags may have all certain had privilege or for yeah. fortunate yeah. like yeah, status. Yeah, for right? fortunate birthrights in many ways get you into algorithm. But yeah. Um, Maybe, I guess, I'm not very good at like complimenting myself, but I guess maybe talking is my strong point. <laughs> I've always been pretty good at like um, uh, articulating myself, even if I- Like just you're just good real time, time, because like a lot of content creators, it's like they're so well produced when they're like recording a video, but then you're someone who's like good live, right? Whether it was like watching you stream or just like talking to you on a podcast, like you just know how to, you have a sense of timing and how to like respond to things, you know? Uh, I get, yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, yeah, this is, this is the problem I have. I'm very bad at being like, yeah, I'm good at something. Yeah, I'm good at that, I guess. I think so. Uh, but I think something that I've also yeah. learned. I think I'm way better now than I was five years ago when I started out making, well, more than that. But I think I've got, uh, over time, like I've done quite, quite a lot of these kind of interviews now, right? I also know on yes. these, by, by virtue of you being halfway around the world and us recording this via the internet, I know there are, I should take pauses to either let you speak or to pause to see if you are actually picking up what I'm putting down and so on. So you just can get used yeah. to this sort of stuff, doing remote podcasts. I'm going to apologize things. in advance, Vince, because like the 2022 interviewer, that's me. Like, I'm just, I'm just interrupting people a lot more. You kind of already felt this. Like, whereas in the past, I was just kind of like, you know, make sure let's do the two second pause and yeah, make sure there's no lag. And 
I, I think the pauses and stuff are good at certain times, especially if someone's got a very point that's obviously important to them. But I think you interrupting people's better for like a more interesting flow of conversation. Like we we struggle with this with dice to removal sometimes because just we get real bad latency between me and Brian when we're recording via Discord. Maybe we should use this service instead. Who knows? You um, gotta use this, man. You can't go yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. This. It's pretty good. But um, yeah, we 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 will have elements where we're talking over each other because we are pausing, and then the latency doesn't give the pause stuff like that, and it, and it damages the conversation. We have much better conversations in person because we can tell, you can feel, you can get the rhythm remotely. So yeah, my point is interrupt people, have a conversation with people if the latency allows it. That's part of the fun. Fuck yeah. And uh, I, are you still doing the dice removal with Brian or the professor? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, okay. we, we don't really like to do it remotely because of the issues we have remotely. Where like one of us will just monologue for a while and it's just not, it doesn't feel great. Like both mm -hmm. watch it back in that time. Um, we do do occasion, especially we'll probably end up doing one soon because so much weird stuff's happened that we need to talk about. But um, we normally batch record them. So I'm going out in November to see him before we go over to the summit, the, the big kingdom.tv um, event. And uh, yeah, I normally tag on anything I'm doing in America. I tag on seeing Brian, both to hang out with him and see him because he's my friend, but also we normally batch record between three and five episodes of Dice to Removal. But we try to do the, um, the evergreen stuff then. We're talking about, you know, things in the, like, looking back, nostalgic stuff, things like that. We try not to do the breaking news, because then the, the video's out. Oh, we've done it. We've done, we talk, we've, we've actually made predictions because of this. We've talked about things that happened at the time, said, oh, I bet they'll do X, and they've done it, and the video's come out, and we look like we're making it, we look like we're trying to pretend we predicted it. We have to, we have to like, no, honestly, this was recorded three weeks ago, and they've actually done the thing we joked about them doing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in short, to answer your question, yes, we are. We just do them in batches. So they come out normally nice. as a little break here and there. Seasons almost, I don't know. I've always wondered about that because uh, I, I have watched a couple of episodes. And uh, first of all, I think in person is way better for the reasons you said. Also, we get to see your socks, which is like, yes. you know, you get, we have to see the full body of you and the professor, which is nice because like, yeah. it's a nice couch and all that stuff. And some of that's kind of missing when you do it like just like this. Yeah. But uh, I was also wondering about that because I do know that you are in the UK. So it's like... When I see you guys like call out certain things and, I, and I'm just thinking like, how does this happen? Like, did he just time, like use a teleporter to go to the US so, and like yeah. in, in real time? And we, yeah. we, 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 let's, we batch report, record them. But the interesting thing is like, we have been like unusually on the money. Like we've both said to ourselves, but we can't believe sometimes yeah. how we've got things right. And somebody, there's a viewer. I'm so sorry if this viewer was watching this, doesn't, doesn't, but they, they, they sometimes tweet us with a clip and they're like, Guys, we'll, we'll talk about something on Twitter, and I go, guys, you said this six months ago in this episode, and we're like, wow, I can't believe we did that as well. And we have, we have, we have um, joked about, and we may end up doing it maybe for an anniversary episode of getting preparing an editor to go back through and find all the predictions and put the yes or no, yes or no, and like see how yeah. many we got right because I think that'd be a very fun thing. But I guess, I guess also if you predict enough stuff, some of it sticks, right? So it might be that we actually have a very low hit rate, but we just throw mm. so much ammunition that it's gonna hit. There's a bit of that yeah. as well sometimes in content creation. People act like they're, they're profits, and I'll put my hands up and say this as well. But if you are saying 100 things, there's a chance that a certain percentage will be right. And if you focus only on the right ones, you look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just how predictions go, because, like, nobody remembers the, the missed shots, right? It's the ones that yeah. you got right. And that, yeah. honestly, that's, that's, you still got to, like, rest, put your, rest your laurels or rest your hat on that, right? Whatever the term is. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of that with perception in the magic, right? People don't remember the people don't focus on the good stuff, um, things yeah. that are normally overshadowed by the bad stuff. 
See if we make a prediction that comes true about the price of a ridiculous product, for example, that will be the one that sticks. Not the, oh, mm -hmm. uh, this product's good, or you make a prediction that there's a, a character returning where mm -hmm. everyone's like, wow, that doesn't last very long in the news cycle. Or doesn't, <laughs> or gets drowned out. If you, if yeah, you yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if your video is, oh, it, it sounds like it is, but can you give me like just a, uh, a preview of like your thoughts on the on the on the thousand uh, dollars for four booster uh, the, packs. So the video is out, and here's a, here's a weird one. It's my most successful video in twenty four hours ever, um, which oh. is not what I expected. I thought it'd do well because people want to hear this stuff, but it did. It did like at, at time of recording this. It's been out for less than sixteen hours, and it's over one hundred and twenty k. So, all right, it's blowing it's up. Big for me. Very nice. Yeah, very strange. I've had yeah. a couple of people outside the niche and you know, other YouTubers DM me about it. Because it's showed up in their feed. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's starting to break a little bit out of the niche, which is nice. Uh, my lowdown is, yeah. it's just an absurd price point. Like, it just, it's, it's a farcical price point. Like, I, I was saying in a video only last week that having, like, collector editions of the Warhammer decks that end up being really expensive because they're collector editions doesn't hurt anyone because there is a accessible version. So ultimately, it doesn't really matter. But then when you go, actually, here's, here's a product that's only available at this premium price point, even though arguably Birds of Paradise and stuff exist in other printings, arguably. Um, but then that price point is like a 10 times, well, let's say five times anything else we've seen of a similar, similar style. Cause like, like, you know, VIP boosters were $200, right? Um, at that point we are getting into just like, what do you say about it's just, it's just, it's just, I am almost stuck for words. It's so absurd. Right. <laughs> and, and then we have seen this. It's morning, very rare to have you speechless. I, 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 I know. That. Cause I just didn't think they'd go this hard and this is probably not the end. Right. I thought yeah. VIP boosters might be the top. And now we're this here. This is like experiment we're, one of X, yeah. right? And then it'll just zoom out and we're going to be up here soon. Like the mountain just keeps getting taller and taller. And Flesh and Blood players were meaning on it this morning in the Flesh and Blood community because Magic players are always riffing on how expensive their cards are and their controversies. And then they're all like, haha, at least we don't have a thousand dollar proxy packs. So people can sit on Twitter and say, this product's not for us. It's fine. Stop going on about it. But then you get the bad optics with other games and communities and people. People outside of the niche are going, uh, Vince, are these really not playable in a tournament, but they're $1,000? And you're like, yeah, that, that is a factual statement that, I, that you can't refute. Uh, there's a little bit more mm. added context, I guess. So ultimately, yeah. I think the thing is kind of absurd. And I want to just like dust my hands and like, it's not for me. Like I have done for collector stuff recently in a lot of secret layers. But this is just the yeah. extreme version, right? What happens when we get like yeah. a $10,000 four booster box? Like what happens? You know, what, what line <laughs> does someone go, you know what? This is kind of silly. I think this is a line where it's already silly. But... Uh, how, how soon are we going to get like a Jace branded Lamborghini or something? Um, That's what I want to know. I think, but I think, so they did Jace branded case with shoes, didn't they? Uh, three oh, years that's ago. right, yeah. Yeah, because they mm -hmm. sent some to me, which I didn't think I'd get, because I'm the kind of creator that would mock them, like mock that product, I mean, right? Um, but I got some, they're in the cupboard. Uh, interesting crossover. They didn't really bug me that much. I think a Jace themed Lamborghini would be so absurd. It's almost, so do you know the term braggadocio? It's like a style of hip hop where you, like the whole genre is around. Um, bigging yourself up, talking about money and bitches and, and bitches in inverted commas here for people at home. Um, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's braggadocio. It's a genre. So you're meant to be, it's like hyperinflated. It's the media episode of right. a thousand, right? If you did a right. Jace Lamborghini, that's almost like the braggadocio of like magic marketing, right? It's just so dumb that you can't help but laugh about it. It's a shit post, if you yeah. And oh, also, yeah. yeah. So maybe arguably this is that, but they're also game pieces. They're also game pieces within mm -hmm. a game that apparently doesn't have a secondary market. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, a 30th collector's thing for people to celebrate 30th collectors that can't afford it. Like, there's no product for us to celebrate the 30th anniversary. Like, all of it's expensive. And Magic 30 is expensive, the event. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Lamborghini, let's go. I, I want to chase Lamborghini. That'd be, that'd, that'd be funny. And they pay someone Probably like KSI. Probably a example and, on my yeah, part. But, no, but yeah. imagine they got KSI or someone to drive, like, someone in the FIFA community to drive a, a Jace Lamborghini. It'd be such a meme. It'd be so funny. Be good video for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's me being selfish. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I can't afford that. Or I, I'm not going to try to afford that. But I do have this feeling that, uh, not to make this a super topical podcast, I'm sorry. I, uh, well, I just want to, like, but it's just so fresh in my mind right now. Like, I, I, I have a feeling that it's going to be sold out, right? People are going to buy oh, this because it's basically absolutely. like a collector's item. So it's not really about... It's almost like the value is what the value is, which sounds very reductive. But it's like if there's a if there's an opportunity for someone to just buy it and hold on to it, um, they probably believe that yeah. it will appreciate in value. It's not really it's, about the fact they, that they there are, are, they are, there are other pieces. proxies or other alternatives. Yeah. It's just like this is a unique collectible, right? So they aren't play pieces. They are not play pieces. They are a collectible item. But again, at that point, when they're selling right. you 60 play pieces, 60 collectible items... With a chance, again, mm-hmm. this isn't even like the set, it's it's a randomized booster, so it's a gamble at that point. Just another element to add to it, all this that we haven't mentioned yet, right? That's so, the other yeah. complexity which makes it yeah, worse. Yeah, so like, yeah. $1,000 to gamble on getting the ones you want, probably won't. Um, and then it will sell out, and these things will be worth money, which is kind of like, it's kind of, it's, it's either a mask off, or it puts a spotlight on just how dumb the collectible side of like trading cards really is. That they can just yeah. make something tomorrow, for a thousand dollars that they cost almost verging on parody almost right? yeah, yeah it is yeah. it is a farce it's a farcical thing and then if you the the other element to all this which is probably a follow-up video i'm making this week is that the collector editions that they made before for if you go for inflation as diva tweet i know it wasn't diva it was um cube april tweeted this morning was a hundred dollars for the original collectors uh, a whole set of beta hundred dollars back in 2001 or whenever it was whenever they was that's an that order of magnitude difference it's, even yeah, adjusted for it's, inflation it's, it's, it's 10 times and you're not getting the set either so if you want the set it's probably a hundred maybe a thousand times if you want to open the whole yeah. set from these boosters so it's just where does it end because this is not the end this is a midpoint on this like mountain of nonsense but ultimately yeah, yeah. it doesn't damage the, the it does damage the perception of the game, but the game isn't dying. That's the other thing people are shouting about this morning. Like, this is it. It's the death knell of magic. It's like, everything's the death knell of magic. It's just a dumb misstep by wizards that we can laugh about. Um, right. But, yeah. Can I, can I give you a, a devil's advocate on this? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear it. This is, the, this is the problem with YouTube videos is that you don't have devil's advocate, or you might have, like, snarky commenters like me who are like, no, Vince, you know, you're totally wrong. But I'm not saying you're totally wrong, but just yeah. for the sake of argument. Um, could one make an argument that the legitimacy of a game, a collectible game, or like a fucking NFT or a fucking video game in general, like it's based on dollar signs, right? Because like to get someone excited about a poker tournament, you say the prize pool is whatever, you can win millions of dollars. To get people to get excited about magic, people who don't know magic, right? Who like, does it build legitimacy to have like, okay, collectible pieces are actually worth this much like as a kind of eyeball grabbing 
marketing ploy sure yes. but it's like is that is that part of the legitimacy building if you're the wizard's brand you know what i mean yeah i mean how many of us have had conversations with our loved ones or friends or family who don't understand magic and the two things you explain are a you can you used to be able to win money playing it that's a bit up in the air at the current time as well um but secondly some of these cards are worth money absolutely that is a like first building step to explaining the legitimacy of our hobby and our game right but it gets a bit weird when you're like yes that not it used to be that that was because those cards were either playable in a format that's why they were worth money or they're rarities collectible rarities usually from the aeons past right they take time to build that cost the fact that wizards of the coast are just creating those out of thin air now is kind of a different kettle of fish if anything the finance community seem to be not very happy with this product i haven't deep dived into mm -hmm. this yet but i've just been seeing people saying even mtg finance are unhappy with this and that's when you know they fucked up because normally those guys are like, no, this is great, this is great. If those guys so, are, yeah. <laughs> so the fact that they are printing, like, a sidestep from the reserve list at $1,000, because there's a whole thing about the reserve list there as well. It's a whole different podcast, I guess, a whole separate podcast. Oh, yeah, So yeah. I, I think you're right. I think the collectability of the game is important. There's no doubt about that. People buy into the game knowing they can sell their cards later. But, um, well, no one's buying into this shit anyway. There's, there's that as well. Who, who, who the fuck are these packs for at that point? Uh, I joked mm. the video yesterday, it's for Post Malone and other rock stars that are joining. Baseball players, Hunter Pence, because he likes magic, doesn't he? Like, it's for those people. Anyway, anyway, yeah. we're, talking, we're talking enough about it, It's for speculators and people who can afford it, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you are watching this and you people. can still get hold of it, and you have got the money to speculate, this is not financial advice, but there's a good chance yeah. they're actually a really good speculation. And that makes it even worse, in my opinion, because they'll just get, yeah. we'll just get more of this. We'll get $10,000 ones next year. <laughs> <laughs> It's what the market will bear. This product is not for you. Therefore, it's A-OK. -okay, yeah. It's kosher. It's all But where, it's where all is the fucking product for me for the 30th anniversary? God damn. Right. Yeah. Give me, give me like, gray border, silver border revised edition or something. Like, you know, sell it to me for, like, 50 bucks for the set. Like, maybe I could, I like, think, get into I think that. I think $1,000 like... for all of those, those all the cards in that set. If they did $1,000 for, like, just a, just a one of each copy of every card in beta like that. I think people yeah. would have lost them. People would still be like, I, I would still be able to go, fuck, that's a lot of money. But ultimately, it's not. I, I would have also still said, buy other proxies. Who gives a shit about proxies? But I think it would have mm -hmm. been less of a sour taste. It's the fact they just mm -hmm. went absolutely off the deep end into like four mm -hmm. booster pack. Four as well. Yeah. If it was actually a booster box that could be drafted. But they just, yeah. they just fucked it in every conceivable way. <laughs> it's almost like they were like, what can we do to make the audience happy? Let's do exactly yeah. or slightly the opposite of every single turn. But right. don't worry. Some they want to keep okay us on our toes. That's what they want to do. They we, want to I give just, me my every... most successful video to date, so I can't complain about that. That's, uh, that's this right. That's right. And this right. is the funny thing, right? Like, people say, like, I caught controversy and negativity for views. For the last, like, two weeks, I've done nothing but gush about how good I think the Warhammer product is. And on the mm -hmm. upside, and the good thing is, this is the bit I was scared about, is that those videos have done pretty well as well. So I had a two-week period where I was, I didn't, I don't think I made a single negative video because I was like buzzing off Warhammer. Oh no, I talked about how preview mm. season had started again out of fucking nowhere. Um, that's an issue in itself. But it was nice that I got to do some positive videos and people received them positively and responded to them positively and watched them. Because there is a problem yeah. on YouTube where like, you want to talk positively about something you like and you have to frame it negatively to get them in the door and then turn the yeah. conversation around. Um, so anyone who's listening to this thinking I'm just like farming that controversy, yes, 
But at the same time, I also do. I, <laughs> but I do also compliment them when they're doing in the job. In doses, how's that? Yeah, yeah. In, in limited like, amounts. Like, I think the Warhammer product is phenomenal. I also think Infinity is pretty good. Like, so I do say the positive stuff too in videos. Before I are you just fucking... saying that today after the news came out with the the booster packs? Now it's like everything by comparison. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of <laughs> to course, an extent, because we'll... the little controversies about Infinity, where well, I just don't know why the hell half of it was Eternal Legal and they gave us two extra deck mechanics in the same set. It's just I weird watched stuff, your video, right? yeah, yeah. And on I'm that like, one, yeah, I feel like they just they put too much on at once. And by they, let's yeah. be honest, it's Mark Boys. Sorry, Mark. Um, but <laughs> but. Mr. Vlogatog, yeah. But yeah, but by comparison, that's nothing compared to the news in the last day or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you, Vince, what I did do today. I opened up my Chinese shopping app, and I just placed my order for the Dual Masters Black Lotus. I'm oh, just like, sick. Yeah, that I is got... an affordable proxy of a Black Lotus. Yes, yeah, so I bought... I've just gone off camera. I'm back now. I bought... This is for a video that I haven't made yet. I'm going to do the hunt for the Black Lotus. I've got a booster box with them, ah, um, which is not what okay. you should do. Just buy singles like you have, right? But I thought it would be really makes fun. for a better video when you do the unboxing, for sure. Yeah, yeah. To, to crack all of these cards that I cannot read and look for the Black Lotus, the, <laughs> the, the, the Library of Alexandria, the, the, the Birds of Paradise and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool promotion. We should have seen it coming, mm -hmm. though. As soon as I did that, the floodgates were open for them to print their own proxies of Black Lotuses. <laughs> but yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. It's a fascinating point that they did it in this and those. How much was that Lotus? How much did you pay it for it? I, I just paid, I paid for a near mint one. I paid 25 American dollars. Yeah, because those things will be worth money in time, but not the money of this collector. It's a, it's a shiny foil and it, it, it looks kind of cool. So I'm just like, why not, right? I'm yeah, not I, trying to collect it or I'm just, I'm, I just want it. I'm about know? to rebuild my yeah. cube and I'm probably going to build it completely out of proxies. Like not using Wizards yeah. Art, like completely proxified off one of these websites that allow you to do that. Because um, then you don't have to fear of it getting nicked at a store, right? And I might try and mm -hmm. use these, the the the, the uh, Dual Masters Lotuses and stuff like that, as some of those proxy cards because I think they're cool. They're cool looking. Yeah, yeah. Are there other other? So you're saying there are other like non Black Lotus yeah, Magic yeah. proxy so, cards so in Dual Masters? There's, there's a whole slot that can be the anniversary cards, which are the ones that use Magic Art. And there's, yeah. I want to say around 25 of them, like Library of Alexandria. Black Lotus, Birds of Paradise are definite. And I think there's yeah. others, but I don't know if it's 5, 10, 15, 20. I think it's around 25. But Library of Alexandria mm -hmm. is definitely there as well, because that's another one where the, the real cards are few hundred. Yeah, dollars, that's right? sick. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Can they put a tabernacle in there? I guess they missed the mark on that, huh? They probably will for the next one, perhaps. Because it's a very oh. good way of selling this sort of stuff to to whales like me. I guess I'm not the biggest whale now. <laughs> but like, it's a good way of selling this stuff, right? And I, I, at the last couple of Magic Festivals I was at, some of those cards were in the vendor booths. So so the mm. magic vendors had the Black Lotus and the Library of Alexandria and the birds in their thing for people to buy. Nice. They were like marked up a little bit and stuff. So Yeah. It looks fucking sweet. Like I I, I actually messaged the seller like as a near man. He he actually came back to me with an actual video where he like he's like moving the card in the light and just to prove that like it's because they do that in China. They do the they do a video for you. So it's like the back, it's like pristine. And I'm looking forward to just like I, I guess what are you not really showing it, it off. Just, are you, are you just, just it staring at it. Stick it in your Carolina deck. Stick it in your vintage deck. I don't even have a vintage deck. I, I I played all my vintage on Magic Online, so it's like I can't even use it. I just I just want it. I don't know why. I just wanted to like prove a point. Like 
yes, James, you can actually afford a reasonable like Black Lotus proxy. There you go. Like it's twenty five dollars. Yeah. I can afford that. And yeah, I, I'm not going to make a YouTube video on that, but it's it's cool. Right? I'm glad you're doing your video. Uh, eventually, doing a video on the Dual Masters. Yeah, That's, I mean, this isn't sat myself for that, three so. months. So eventually, eventually, I'll get around to it. <laughs> There, there's too much in the news cycle, man. It's just like you can't even make this stuff up. Like, yep. like, you know, what, what what's the saying? Like, truth is stranger than fiction. Like, yep. with wizards and what they do. So, if someone yeah. told me the day before yesterday that we're gonna get that announcement, I would be like, don't be ridiculous. Even even wizards wouldn't do that. <laughs> and here we are. I, I just imagine like someone. It was like leaked to like uh, a collector, and the collector's just like, no fucking way. Like, it's just it's too unbelievable or something. Yeah, oh, he's st- yeah. oh that collector starts like um, listing all the reserve list stuff because I'm really scared because the the because the <laughs> um the bit of the info was missed out by his skull border they missed out that info so right right right, right. <laughs> like so to start the mass sell off yeah 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 <laughs> or the mass buy yeah, yeah. yeah um so yeah uh I okay let's let's move forward uh make it a proper humans of magic podcast um. <laughs> uh, What's what's been what's been on your mind recently? Like I know you've been traveling. You had alluded to like you know um, you know going going places. But what 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 have you been up to? Like maybe let's start like really short term. What have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Like what, um, what's new with you? So in in recent time, I went to the Pro Tour Flesh and Blood. I didn't play in the main Pro Tour itself. I played in some of the side events and stuff of the the calling to GP on the side. So I played some Flesh and Blood, invited by the company. Um, and I also played in the Europe's largest Warhammer 40k tournament in London as well. Uh, oh. And then, yeah, in amongst all that, we filmed down in London for the video that came out yesterday, which was playing with the Warhammer 40k Commander decks, um, playing mm-hmm. with um, a big YouTuber called Spiffing Brit, um, a great painter called Make It Orky, and a grime artist called um, Manga Sit Hilaire, so that's fun. And then, yeah, just doing the grind of making videos all the time, <laughs> like a hamster on a Did wheel. You- did you say spiffing Brit? I, I could have yes, swore I just yeah. watched some of his videos uh, yep. the other yeah, he's, day. Like he's he actually huge, yeah. <laughs> he, I think he just had a video that blew up, which is about like how to how to edge YouTube or something. Yes, like that. yeah. So his whole shtick is to how to break and exploit stuff. So he does videos right. on like not mainly video games. Like he'll show you how to break Total War, break SimCity, uh, or whatever. Yeah. But then he'll sometimes yeah. do videos on how to break an Amazon ordering service, or in this case, uh, YouTube's algorithm. Um, and you say blow up, all his videos mm. blow up to over a million views because he's uh, uh, he's a big boy he's on the just platform. Huge, right? But like Wizard of the Coast reached out uh. to me and sponsored me. And th- so this video with Spiffing Brit in it is paid for by Wizards. It's a sponsored video. Because um, originally what happened was I reached out to Wizards and said, I make Warhammer content, I make Magic content. I may be like the larger or the crossover content creators in Europe for this. Can I mm-hmm. have some of the decks to preview? And that led on to the preview and then the gameplay video. And they got these creators out, these personalities. Like Manga Say Hilaire is quite big in the the British hip hop and grind community as well. So people in the comments are like, never thought I'd see manga in a, in a, in a, um, a magic video. But yeah, Smith's huge and he's lovely and he plays magic. He got into it this year. Um, and he lives not far from me. So we've been talking about playing some semi regular commander and stuff together. But yeah, so that nice. was the most exciting thing. And I had to keep that under wraps for a while. And then, it, and then the video was delayed. So I told my Patreon that it's coming and then it was delayed by a week. I was like, okay, it's coming soon. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was really exciting. So yeah, been nice. Busy little bee doing all this sort of stuff. So, what what was it like? Like just doing your most recent filming, like of that of the you said forty k uh, commander, right? Or 40K yeah, yeah. Gameplay. So there was a production company hired and paid for by the PR team working with Wizards. So the the production of that video probably cost silly amounts of money, way more than I can ever put on myself. So people with the it comments looks are pretty now, good. It, it does the look preview. really good, and the energy is really good too. Like it's been edited very well by the, the editor. Um, so I was very lucky to be involved in that. 
And people are now in the comments going, do more, do more. And I'm like, well, one day. But like the reason Game Nights looks the way it is is because they've got 29 members of staff. and Production um, values. Yeah, yeah, the production value is really high. So I loved it. One day, maybe I could do more of that, but I'm not quite at that level yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to me about how you got into 40K. Um, I heard it was recent, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually, well, it's two and a half years ago now, but this is COVID time, right? So it feels recent. like yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So during the during the pandemic, we're in lockdown and we're sat watching TV, me and my wife. And I, I get maybe, it might have been a targeted ad, actually, from Games Workshop on Facebook or something on my phone. And I just say out loud to my wife, oh, I really wish I could collect Warhammer again because I played as a kid. And then she's like, she, her literal words were like, she looks up from her phone all the TV says, well, why don't you? And I was a pause. And I'm like, oh, that's a very good point, I guess. And now with ty- with lockdowns and being stable in the job that I've got and being very lucky in the job that I've got, why not? So I did. I, I went and splashed out on some models. I sold. I actually sold a legacy deck in the end. I sold Show and Tell. Or I kept one of all yeah. the cards. I got one Volk, one. But I sold it all and bought Warhammer with it. I bought a lot of Warhammer with money for that deck. What did you um, buy for Warhammer? Like, what was your entry point? Um, so I asked a friend of mine who already played, and he gave me an entry point that, in hindsight, was bad. <laughs> he was like, buy this. It was like a, it was like a, a, a set on the main Games Workshop website, and there's all these easy-to-builds. Like, they're models that are just two halves that slot together. So you don't have to put the arms on separately and stuff. It's a very simple starting point, which was good. But but it comes with, like, sets of three men that can't be fielded in a game because the squad's a minimum five. So when I went to play, I was like, oh, I don't even have the minimum squad size to actually feel... It's like getting two-thirds of a Birds of Paradise. What kind of genius designed that pack? I, d- I don't know. Well, this is the thing. So Games Workshop pretend to be only a model and toy company, and the rules in the game come very second or tertiary. And honestly, some of the decisions they make support that, because that, that is so weird that the entry level... <laughs> the glove fits, huh? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So that's what I started with, but then I just went mad. I bought a lot of old models, because I was trying to relive my youth, right? So it's like, as a poor yeah. kid from a working-class family, I couldn't afford a multiple land speeders and a drop pod and a land radar, so I just bought all these things with this magic money that I sold my cards for, and was loving life, yeah. loving life. And now I'm way too I, deep. I, I, yeah. I know we were talking before the recording about how you you did a little bit of 40k uh, in the 90s, right? When you were yeah, a, a, a young, impressionable, rebellious youth, and uh, those are my 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 adjectives, not yours. I'm just I'm just like projecting, uh, and I, I I got into that then as well. And I, I'm I I wouldn't say we have exactly the same family background, but our our family had to like really like my parents, nothing against them, but they had to like really I had to like get my Ninja Turtles action figure during christmas because that was like when they could buy for me mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. and i remember back then like just the miniatures for just, for games workshop just being super fucking expensive like well they, they've so gone i can't up. i they've can't gone up more since then like, and, and they must have gone inflation. up right yeah like, beyond inflation kind of like magic we're talking about with magic as well it's gone up beyond inflation so i do feel yeah. sorry for kids who want to get into this like really cool hobby and then if they're from the same backgrounds like we are where my yeah i was the same by the way my toys were like Car, car boot sales. You know what a car boot sale is? I don't know what the term is in America. Oh, ju- yeah, you, jumble sale I think it's basically the, the British garage sale or like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like exactly. a secondhand market. Or, so that's where yeah. I got all of my like uh, tabletop RPG books. Magic cards sometimes. I've had a box of magic cards. It's like, mum, can I have them? With Trump? Um, uh, like board games. I had half like half missing copies of Hero Quest and stuff. Like loads of stuff yeah. on car boot sales. Secondhand stuff was how I lived my life. Um, uh, right. right up until my late teenage years. So I'm exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So I feel sorry for kids now. They're like, oh, I really like to collect this, but God, is it expensive. I mean, so what's the solution? Like, are people doing proxy minis or people like 3D printing yeah, stuff? Yeah, people just like 
doing yeah. 2D, like, just, just fold the paper in two and, like, that's a space marine? It, or, like, it, it, I don't if, know. Accessibility is an issue, which it, it is. Uh, you can just proxy with random stuff, like you said, like, fold up paper if you really want to. Um, eBay is pretty good for, like, people who want to pick up, like, secondhand stuff. You have to, like, maybe strip it or, like, break it and rebuild it a little bit because sometimes they come, like, not perfect, obviously. So secondhand models are a thing. And then, yeah, third-party companies are selling stuff um, that is, like, just enough IP distinct to get away with it. And then 3D printing's growing and growing and growing. I've done a video on 3D mm-hmm. printing and stuff. I mean, um, Ellie Goo, one of the premium 3D printing companies, reached out to me and sent me a printer as well to do the video with. So, um, oh, which is a sweet thing to do. Um, yeah, so 3D printing's a pretty big thing now as well. Some people go to tournaments yeah. just fully 3D printed armies. The The... the the attitude within the tournament. Can you do scene. that? Are there like unsanctioned yeah. and sanctioned tournaments? Well, no, no, because like Games Workshop really don't dip their toe into the competitive scene. They're almost scared of it. Wow. So they'll like they'll give a little okay. bit of prize support. So the London GT, the big European event, there were some some box sets that GW gave as prizes for like best in show, uh, best in faction, that sort of stuff. Um, but no, they don't. So what the general consensus is, and it differs from TO to TO, but if your army has 3D prints in it, as long as they are not copyright infringing that usually is okay. So if you have a tank that is meant to be a repulsor executioner, but it is 3D put in a way that doesn't look like it's meant to copy the exact like thing, it's kind of okay. Depends on the TO. Some TOs only like you can 3D print shoulder pads so and guns. you mean like you can't have a replica? Like you can't, it can't be exactly the same general. Yeah, because what happens in Warhammer is that people will rock up with like a demon army and the army will be like customized. So they'll all be like, they'll look like sharks, for example. There's a lot of like customization. Right. So what the heck do. is that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that, it's not like magic where there's a recognizability element. The the, the unit that you 3D print should have the same profile roughly. Otherwise, uh, even magic recognizability. It. It's like every other oh, yeah, game, that's, I'm just that's, like, what is this new that's yeah, that's completely out of the, with us. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. Let's stay on 40k, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there is a bit of that. I could, I could be wrong with some TOs. There's probably a TO that's going to comment on this or tell me later that, that they don't allow it. But, like, I've played against someone whose army was, like, a completely 3 d printed custodian's army. And all the all of the army had, like, a, a giant, like, eagle crest that made it obvious that it wasn't the original GW model. So it wasn't copyright infringing. And that, that's, I think, is just everyone covering their backs for, like, not getting sued, essentially. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's pretty common, um, and you can also like submit stuff to TOs before. Usually, like if I've got a three D printed model, I've got like a demon prince who's like a giant scarab monster. I'll take a picture and send it to them. Mm. And say, is this okay to play as a proxy for my demon prince? And they will say yes or mm. no. So you can you can even ask ahead of time and stuff. So proxying and kit bashing is kind of a lot more. Not kit bashing is where you combine two kits to make another one. Or in this case, one kit right. and three D printed parts. Um, it's a lot more normal than it is in Magic. I guess you get alters, but even alters can be a bit dodgy because you have to check with judges beforehand and stuff, right? So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. what what is the attractive thing about 40K for you coming back? Or not coming back, but like getting really into it two and a half years ago? Um, I've always loved the fiction and the, the, the lore and the flavor of it and stuff because it's just so ridiculous and, you know, like space monks in power armor fighting aliens and demons and stuff. Um, and yeah. then as I got more into it, like the game... Excuse my dogs. The game isn't um, fantastic. He didn't like what you had to say. About I, I don't know what he's doing. Now. It's just going absolutely ape. I think the, I think the post. You, you can check going. on him if you need to. No, my well, my wife's yeah. got it. I think she, I, I hope she's got it. She'll knock on the door if someone's gone horribly wrong. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, the flavor and the law and that sort of stuff. And then I got more and more into the game, which I really do enjoy. It's quite a broken system. It's not as good as a competitive game as Magic because it's often more imbalanced. Mm. But it's kind mm. of part of the fun in a way. But yeah, it's it's the lore, the flavor, the theme, how cool the models look. You know that really primal mm. little boy thing of like, oh look at his chainsaw. They, chain they do look cool. 
Yeah. And you're Are quite you an back accomplished in? You back in painter now? by now. Are you back in? I, no, I'm not, man. I do not need another money-sucking hobby. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine just buying my $25 uh, Black Lotus proxy. Thank you very much. Right, so. right. If you get into Warhammer, you may not be able to afford Magic Celebratory 30 Edition or whatever. I might have to sell my car, I think. I probably have to also sell some Magic decks to, to be able to yeah. do Warhammer. Um, but what about the painting part? Because like, you're very... You're very like I've seen your work, like whether it's on in your tweets or in the videos, like they're very well done. Like, did you have a paint? Did you did you have experience painting no, movies before, so, or did you just so like start? The reason I never got back into the hobby is because I never wanted to paint. I was always like, oh, I can't be bothered. I just want to. I want to collect and play because I was always a player in a way. Seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it does. It does. But then when I started painting during lockdown, it was like the most zen and relaxing thing I'd ever done. I was like, this is this is a lot better than I thought it'd be. And I always thought I'd be crap because I've never really been. I've been a, a word speaking and writing person, not an artsy, fartsy person. But then um, mm. I actually was okay at it and I improved quite quickly. Thanks to the infinite wealth of information that's on YouTube, right? There's so many good tutorials and YouTubers like Miniac and Ninjon and Midwinter Minis who all do great tutorials and like learn the fundamentals and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I watched, uh, I actually watched about 20 hours of painting YouTube and got really into it before my models had arrived. So I'd done, like, huge amounts of research by accident. You watched 20 hours before you even started? Yeah, so I ordered the models on, like, a Tuesday. And I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a guide on how to paint Blood Angels. So I watched one. And then I watched another. And then I got really into, like, um, some of the personalities are pretty good, too. Like, Miniac is a personal favorite of mine. He's a good lad. Um, so I, then I just went deep diving watching him making bases and making terrain and, and just doing crazy stuff. Mm. And then before I knew it, by the Friday when my models arrived, like, three days later, each evening I'd just been watching Warhammer painting YouTube. Um, You're like uh, Neo in the Matrix. You have already downloaded this information. Yeah, to your brain. yeah, yeah. I was plugging myself Ready in, and uh, yeah, we need paints, lots of paints. And then, um, yeah, and then I <laughs> started painting, them and I got better quite quickly. And now I think I'm, I think I think I'm okay. I think I'm pretty good. Um, but there's still yeah. room to improve there as well. But but I also did this thing where Warhammer originally was a break from Magic. So when I was feeling burnt out from Magic, which happens on occasion, if you're making videos about it every day and trying to play it every day, it gets pretty. Pretty rough, especially during the rough spots. Remember two and a half years ago, we were like, you know, back end of Companion, Yorion, Lurus, Oko, and he's been back. Like, we were going through quite the, probably one of the roughest spots in Magic's history, right? So I was pretty burnt out, and Warhammer was meant to be non-content relaxation from that, and it worked. So I actually took mm -hmm. a week off. I went, I'm not going to make any videos, I'm just going to take a week off. I'm allowed to, it's my own business. And I just sat in my kitchen and painted Warhammer for a week. And it really recharged my batteries. And then I made a video about it because I, I loved it so much. And now I make Warhammer videos now and again as well. So, so it went from being this relaxing thing away from the channel to being part of the channel. It's become your job now. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's but right? I'm still in the honeymoon phase, I think. I haven't really fallen out of love with it. So that will inevitably yeah. happen. And then I'll need a third hobby to help me not burn out on Magic of Warhammer. So I guess I'll get into I don't know, chess at that point. I don't know. <laughs> what who's who what's the worst group is it the magic players group or the or the warhammer players group? absolutely the warhammer there's just there's no competition it's not even remotely close because warhammer is like as a community and i'm just gonna i say it quite frankly in my video as well they are behind magic by like years in in every aspect the competitive play the organization of events judging um attitudes towards all those things uh, progressive ideas. I'm quite a, a liberal SJW, as people know. Um, and like Warhammer has a strong side, both on Twitter and YouTube, still of like right wing space means can't be black, uh, women don't belong in the hobby, just nuts stuff. 
that, there's like, no women in the lore, right? I think I saw your tweet so, about so, that. So there are women in the lore, but they're not allowed to be in the poster boy faction, the Space Marines, who are like 50% of all releases, right? Into Including uh, books and everything. And there's a lot of people right. who do paint and build female Space Marines, women. Who so do they that. have like these very traditional rules, even though it's a fantasy world. And I guess yes. that's just what they went, they went with. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then that kind of validates all the right-wing nutters. And there are right-wing nutters. There's a guy... Um, I'm not going to say his name. I don't have any press, but he got he got season <laughs> he got season assisted by Warhammer to remove Warhammer from his channel name because he was making videos about why oh, space Marines, yeah why space wings shouldn't be black or they can't be black or whatever outside of and it's just it's just how can you make a 30 minute video about a topic like that how can you how can you bring yourself to do that sort of thing so it's much worse um, I've had more hate from Warhammer than I've ever had from Magic because I said let people if people want to build and paint female space Marines, let them help. Fuck it, who cares? The law is meant to be malleable to all of our, like, we can make our own headcanon, right? And people are like, no, yeah, yeah. no, they must be met. I'm like, what the hell? And that, that got me loads of hate. Um, I got told that I don't, I've only been in the hobby a year, so my opinion doesn't matter. How dare you? I've probably painted, I don't, I don't, this isn't a point, but I've probably painted more Warhammer models than, like, 99% of Warhammer fans. Because I went a bit mad. Yeah. I've got a bit of an addictive personality, so I've painted insane amounts of Warhammer over the last two and a half years. So for them to mm. be like, you don't belong, I'm like, dude, I've probably painted and played more than I've been that. painting Warhammer since 1985 or something. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I well, I, I'm a weirdo who has gone so deep on this, he probably shouldn't have, so touche, yeah. I don't know. So I think the Warhammer yeah. is a lot worse. And then there's also the competitive versus casual divide that you see in, like, Commander and Magic. The Warhammer yeah. one is worse again, because there's quite a lot of large casual creators who constantly tweet things out about competitive rules being ridiculous. One of them the other day tweeted out the Comp REL magic document and said, I'm so glad Warhammer doesn't have this. I'm like, I think Warhammer would benefit from having something like that. Probably so we don't needs have that, confusion. sounds like. And that became a bit of a controversial thing. So even the narrative, as they call themselves, the casual creators, a few of them, are like militantly anti-competitive. Which is so weird because the two things can exist side by side. Like neither one hurts the other, but of course battle lines must be drawn for the sake of clicks. <laughs> so um, no, Warhammer is categorically oh a worse community to deal with than than Magic by a large margin because Magic has pushed a lot of its like dickheads, if you if I use the term, it's pushed a lot of them to the sidelines. Right? They they have gone to Reddit to free Magic and all that shit, but. Yeah. yeah, Magic's done a pretty good job of, I don't know, giving space to people who are traditionally marginalised, and Warhammer hasn't done mm -hmm. that. Here's an example of this, okay? You ready for an example? Of the okay. At a tournament uh, earlier in the year, someone showed up wearing neo-Nazi uh, patches on their jacket, uh, and when their opponent complained... What the fuck? Wait, wait, it gets worse. It gets worse. When their opponent said, uh, I don't want to play against this person, they shouldn't be welcome here. The TO, the tournament organizer, said, okay, if you'd like to drop, they will get their 70-point win and you will get a zero-point loss. And that person was like, fine, I don't want to play against them. So the person who was anti-neo-Nazi got the loss and the neo-Nazi got a free win. And that blew up on social media and on Reddit after it got found out. And uh, Games Workshop had to do their second thing in eight months where they're like, Nazis aren't welcome. <laughs> yeah. So it's got, okay. it's got, it's got... It's got room to improve, and not everyone is like this. And I mean, there's, you know, the majority aren't, and the majority are pretty good. Yeah. But there's, there is more of a toxic underbelly in Warhammer for this reason. Because it does attract people who like fashy iconography and stuff, right? Because it's the grim, dark future mm -hmm. and everyone's a bastard. But some of these people are like, oh, that bastard's my bastard. I'm going to pretend they're the good guys. It's like, yeah. Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole podcast hey, man, we're, just, as well. we're just role-playing here, all right? I'm going to show up in this car. Yeah. We're just, I'm just, I'm just like... 
in character, you know, we're just role playing. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They show up with their army painted like the the Luftwaffe, and you're like, mm, I don't, <laughs> this is not the role play that I'm into, my friend. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But oh that's my the thing. goodness. So, and then the last point I make about this is, you'll see a post where someone has painted a swastika onto their space marine, for example, on Facebook, and people are like, don't let's keep politics out of this. It's a good paint job, right? That's what people will say. Meanwhile, if someone posts, <laughs> their, if someone posts their female space marine. People are like, no, I'm sorry, this is too political. We're going to remove this. The post. same person's like, fuck no, this is going yeah, way too far. Yeah, here. yeah. People space, have their posts removed. Space Marine. Yeah, yeah. Keep politics out of it until there's a woman <laughs> in the armor, and then yeah, yeah. So it, it, it turns out that um, historical groups being painted onto your Marines that historical groups that are known to be pretty pretty vile, not political, but if you were to put a woman on there or paint the trans flag, for example, it's another one. People are painting their Marines to like have like. Um, the trans colours and the people are like, that's just too political. I was like, okay, I see, I see. The two genders, political and not political. I see, I see. So, yeah. Give me the uh, inside inside footy on Games Workshop. Like, is there a reason why that stuff is happening? Is it because um, they don't have enough uh, resources? Are they run by, are they a fascist company? Like, no, 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 no. So I, they have been quite openly about, like, those people aren't welcome here. They did, they did a post saying, like, you, if you are like this, you are not welcome in the hobby. And that caused controversy as well, obviously. Mm. Freedom of speech, guys. Freedom mm. of speech. Um, but I think what it is is that the game originally in the 80s and the 90s and the canon and everything around it, the law, the fiction, was all very parody. Yeah, it was all very obviously, ex explicitly satire. It was like 2000 AD, Judge You Dredd. mean like a Starship Troopers kind of vibe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But more overt than that. More overt even than the film because mm -hmm. it was trying to be 2000 AD. It was trying to be political commentary we're talking about this is like the thatcher era of like in england and stuff right a lot of, and um, as far as i understand it, the people who made the game originally were quite lefty leaning as well but then over time as the game has kind of been i guess sanitized in some ways they've had to create characters that can be related to and like heroes and what happens is every faction seems to have hero characters that people might want to relate to and there's books that make them look heroic and there's and, like, the Space Marines have a little, like, loot box line called Space Marine Heroes and all this stuff. So we're told they're, like, a dogmatic, like, arm of an ultra-fascist, like, extremity of what the mankind could look like. But then in the next breath, we're like, actually, no, it's heroic and noble to be this way. To think that anyone who thinks differently to you is a heretic and to kill anyone who's not human. It's like, okay, well, there's some mixed signals here. So I think the satire has been lost like quite badly and some of the fiction is great some of it is interesting but yeah there's uh, some very mixed signals i have two observations from this one is that also from personal experience not with 40k but i feel like getting into other hobbies actually gives you a better appreciation of magic because yeah. you look at some other hobbies and you're just like this is even worse and it, mm -hmm. it, it's it sounds perverse but it's almost like because when I got into other CCGs, some of them, like, they, they died, and then you come back to Magic, it's like, oh, wow, this is an active game where they're actually, like, printing new cards, and things are mostly okay. There might be, like, things here We're and there, but it's, like, Magic, it's actually right? done spoiled by them. pretty well. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's so... It's a machine, right? It's a well-oiled machine at this point. Um, so that that's my first observation. The other observation is, like... It must be so tough for you because, like, you got into Warhammer because of the lore, but the lore is the very thing that is, like, controversial mm -hmm. or in need of mm -hmm. revamp. So how do you, maybe on the second point, like, how do you how do you reconcile that? Because it feels like you're just kind of like a glutton for punishment. Like, you choose to <laughs> get into this game. And, of course, like, there's good reasons to do it, right? As you said, COVID and you like painting and 
like the lore is good, but then there's also the kind of like other aspect, which is like the toxicity or the the negativity, right? Yeah. How do you I, how do you reconcile that? I think it's just being openly critical about the things you love and like, right? So like, I've got really into listening to. I say really into. I've only like read in the. There's a, there's a series called Horus Heresy, which is the background for how Warhammer's current law got to where it is. It's like, oh, it's their brother's war, okay? But their brother's war is a 52-book series that's a New York Times bestseller and has a game attached to it itself, which is Horus Heresy, which is like basically Warhammer 30k. So I really hope Magic goes as hard as it can on Brother's War to try and expand Brother's War to be as good as what Her Horus Heresy is. And the books for Horus Heresy, on the whole, are really, really really fucking good like if like because originally the horus heresy was like one man betrayed the emperor of mankind and caused the civil war and that was like a little excerpt in a book in like 1991 right or 18 1989 or whatever and that's been expanded now as this massive book series that gives like motivations and rationale and reasons for why people picked what side on the civil war and why they did the things they did and it's, it's good it's, it's generally good however in amongst there there's still like weird shit like weird accents being done to represent certain ethnicities in the audiobooks you're like fuck excuse me what what was that and you ha i think you have to be openly critical of those things so like they don't happen again and people can change from them so and i thought about doing a video on this topic and i probably will eventually but i've also got to be careful because my mental health doesn't take well to having to do all of these videos and then be bought and bombarded by reddit and 4chan calling me an sjw cuck all the time and they so, will bombard you, it sounds like. They will, yeah. they will. And then sometimes I'll, hit, I'll get a little bit of criticism from the left being like, well, you're a white presenting dude, where's someone else's opinion on this? I'm like, well, I mean, unfortunately, this is my channel, so it's hard. It's hard when you get hit That's from both sides. I hate, I hate the whole idea of, like, you're not entitled to have a position just because of your background. Yeah, Anyways, I mean, I'm it, sorry. It, I'm, that's not, I'm that's not a common, I don't commonly get that, but it does come up. And I'm also very aware of it. I did a video on the, on the um, Secret Lair Bearscape card recently. And I got uh, a couple of my patrons who are oh, yeah. like uh, gay men to talk about it with me. And I got um, a quote. Oh, from because you're heterosexual, you're not entitled to talk about it or something? No, like that? yeah. Well, the, there's an element of I, I don't want to cut. Yeah, so the Warhammer thing, we could just sell that off. Yeah, it, it's it's hard, it's difficult, it's a frustration. This is nothing, it's much more <laughs> frustrating. Uh, no, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. This is my um, problem now. I'm always, like, asking new questions, sorry. No, I, yeah. I mean, conversation's conversation, isn't it? Um, I think with the Bearscape thing, I didn't want to make a video that got like upwards of 30,000, I think the video ended up getting like almost 100k views, where I'm basically taking someone else's struggle or plight, which was people criticizing gay men being shown, being loving in a card, and co-opting that struggle for clicks. That doesn't seem, that doesn't, like from my own perspective, without anyone on like tankies on Twitter getting mad at me that I'm not being liberal enough or whatever, or, or socially aware enough, even myself, I'm like, I don't want to do that, because that feels wrong. I never want to co-opt other people's mm -hmm. struggles, um, unless I can help in some way. So. With that one, I wasn't even going to make a video on it. And then the patron in question is Tom. I don't know if you'll even end up listening to this. Maybe he will. But he was talking to someone on my Discord about it and saying how much it mattered to him to be shown in like this sort of stuff. And that triggered me a little bit to be like, oh, do you know what? Maybe we should talk about this. Because people on Reddit are being fucking obnoxious about this card. So Tom was the primary person I spoke to. I got him to re read the script, which I rarely ever do. So my scripts are normally a fucking mess. Like, un un incomprehensible bullet points, right? So I made sure it was readable, got him to reread it. I asked him for a quote, asked him to check on some things, stuff like that, because I felt like I did want to give the voice to someone else because it is their thing, not mine. But at the same time, now I've got a platform, I feel like I am socially obligated in some way to make the world a better place. And that might be, in my circumstance, convincing a few people who are in the center, who are on Reddit being angry about this, to have a rational conversation with them that might air them towards the more um, open-minded side, the left side, as I would put it. 
because I think I'm in that position, right? I'm a, a white beardy dude making magic content. There are people watching me who could go either way on this. The people who end up in free magic being horrible people to like minorities, or they could go the other way. And I feel like, as much as I can with a fucking YouTube channel about children's card games, if I can get them to open up that conversation on the left side, the better. And I've fucked that up in the past. My first Warhammer video about female space marines, I was aggressive and I called the people on the other side idiots. And it was just not the right way to approach it because I wasn't convincing anyone in that center who was open for a conversation to come to my side and think about it. I just, I, 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 I was confrontational and I shut them down. So the second video I did on that, which was much better, I think, opened that conversation up. And it's the same for the Bearscape video. But at the same time, not just being like, here's my opinion, because other people's opinions do matter. And trying to give a voice to people that traditionally maybe wouldn't have got a voice. But mm. I also do get criticism sometimes, like, you know, do we have to have your opinion on this topic? And I'm very aware of that, so. <laughs> it's a difficult it... field to navigate, my friend. <laughs> I mean, it's... If I put myself in your shoes, and I'm not saying you would do this or think this, but I, my first thought would just be like, this is my fucking channel. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Like, I'm not, I'm not, ex yes. I'm not telling someone to go kill somebody. Like, this is, this yes. is commentary on a fantasy card game. All right. Or a miniature fantasy game or whatever. Like, this is my fucking channel. Like, you don't have to watch it. Right. Yes. And I feel that way about people who are like, oh, Vince, don't mention the conservative party in this video. Or Vince, why did I made a video? like half joking but a little bit serious about like the queen doesn't matter and, and i know a woman dying is bad and everything and sad but ultimately the way the country is acting is farcical and people are like we're commenting again oh, I'm, I'm so mad that you were this disrespectful i'm like well honestly this is my platform so if you don't like it you can you can go elsewhere that's fine but when it comes to social issues that affect other people's like existences like gay rights or or, or the representation of race in warhammer or magic um i'm much more careful with those a because I, I don't want to shit storm, which can happen from these things. But B, and more primary, mm. um, more is that I want my videos to bring about some good. I don't really, if I'm just like riffing and throwing shit at like Wizards or GW, it's, at the case of Walkshaw, make Warhammer, that doesn't matter so much because a corporation, they can take it, right? Punching up, punching up. But if I'm saying things that might like push a conversation towards making someone else's life miserable who's an individual, then I think there's a lot more time and effort needs to go into that. And that, that even expands to things that aren't so socially, like, um, uh, important. So even, like, the casual versus competitive arguments in, like, Commander and Warhammer, I don't want people to use my videos as ammunition to go attacking someone who likes to play casual ADH or CDH, right? But then it gets much worse, or much more important, should I say, when it's a conversation around... Um, the inclusion of people because of their race or gender. Like, especially as someone who comes from a situation where, for the most part in my life, that's not been an issue for me. So I, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm rambling at this point, but. It, it does make sense. And also a follow-up question is like, have you felt this in the internet sphere? Like, is it, has it been, has identity politics or being more careful or sensitive around these such issues has it become more pronounced in the last couple of years because I, I i'm just saying even as someone who consumes content it appears to be but i don't know like yeah you have I any think thoughts just, on that people are just more aware of this stuff right it's becoming much more talked about and open to conversation like using pronouns and bios and on screen which is a sticking point for some people for some bizarre reason but it's just a more accepted thing to do now which once the conversation is completely open it alienates less people who who need 
that tool to present in the way they want to present. So absolutely, it's more of a thing now. Absolutely. But I think that's because we're becoming more socially conscious. And by we, I kind of mean the magic community and some gaming spheres. Because Warhammer is still several steps behind this when you see, like, the attitudes towards this stuff and the language people use at events and things. People were just dropping, like, the arsler like, around me at the Warhammer event. I'm like, oof, oof. Like, like with these people I don't know and stuff. It's just, it's, where a magic event, that just doesn't happen because the culture is so much... Well, it does happen, but the culture is so much better. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it has become more pronounced, but that's only because we're learning to deal with this stuff and society is veering in theory towards that more progressive idea as right-wingers get elected in Germany and France and whatever. So maybe that... Uh, Italy. Italy's the recent one, isn't it? So it's funny for me to Italy, say that. Yes. Yeah, I'm saying this perhaps in my terminally online in, in digital and gaming spaces. And then in the real world, actually, the average man and woman working the day job is actually voting in. Hold... Not that. Um, but yeah, it is more pronounced, yes. but I think that's important. I think that's a good thing. I think that's generally a good thing because mm -hmm. it opens people up to to meeting people that they've never met before, right? A lot of this stuff normally comes from people who are hostile towards people who aren't like them. So they've never spoken to people that aren't like them. They are literally living, mm -hmm. like, you know, I, yeah. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Do you feel more pressure now because of your, I don't know, ethnicity or background? Like, uh, is it, is it you know hard the, being Do you know the really uh, fun thing now? is that I, I'm not actually, I'm not purely Caucasian. Uh, my grandfather's Indian. This is, this is a really interesting. That doesn't matter, this. my friend. Just the fact that you look Caucasian. I, I'm saying this as a joke, right? But it's just like people just but, judge you just based on how you look. So. Absolutely, absolutely. But like, there is a, there is a. That is that's the, the funny thing when you unpack that joke. It gets funnier because like my. And then you throw like, the facts back at them, and then suddenly they're quiet. Well, right? well no, and but I never, like, I never oh, throw that. I never <laughs> throw that out in a conversation. Cause it's not fair because I do present as a white man, and I do get a lot of that privilege. Um, there are elements that affected me when my, mom, my mother was a victim of racism her entire life because she didn't look so white. Okay. Um, and that is part of that joke, right? Because, like, uh, there's, there's, there's facts behind everything that people don't really understand or know. So sometimes I get accused of uh, stepping into things that I couldn't possibly know about. And in reality, my mum was, like, a victim of racism her entire life because she didn't look like me. So, yeah. Um, mm. But I also do understand that, like I said, people might gravitate towards me who haven't fell on either side of this discussion yet or might not even have ever had this discussion opened up to them. So I hope that I can be quite brash with how I am about social issues. Sometimes if someone's just going to be like a complete dickhead, if someone comes into the chat and tells me they voted Tory because they think it's the right thing to do, I'm not going to react very well to that. But I do think that hopefully when I'm not being brash and I'm being more open about it and doing videos that are a bit more rational and well-reasoned, like the second Women in 40K video, I hope that does help young impressionable men or men who are looking to understand the world and i am saying men i'm saying white men that watch my channel at this point that's what i'm talking about really i'm hoping they get some yeah. information or some insight that is different to what they're used to we had an example of this okay i'll share this real quick i won't say any names or anything like that we had someone who was banned from my discord once for being um transphobic um and they came back eventually and there's a big hole do we let them back in and stuff and it turned out that actually they they were not straight themselves but they didn't really understand and they were coping with it because they they didn't know any gay people in their personal life um and they'd only just start to meet them mm -hmm. online through the magic community not just my discord but other magic communities too and that person because mm -hmm. of their upbringing didn't have any context to understand any of that sort of stuff so if you give them a place to work through mm -hmm. it although we didn't we banned them temporarily but, but it gives mm -hmm. them a place to learn how other people are and stuff mm -hmm. and i think a lot of creators i think creators have a duty to do that 
I think people who stay out of politics, mm-hmm. I know it's for their brand and for their business and also get that bag and support your house and your family and pay your mortgage. But also there's like a moral obligation, in my opinion, to at least fear in and give voices to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh God, how much stick am I going to get absolutely. for this? Because um, people are going to say I'm not, I'm not having enough people. I don't do a lot of guest spots on my channel at the moment just because I'm really badly organized. So I'm going to get so much stick for not having enough guests on them. Like but, you know, I try where I can. No, no, I, I, I'm not sure if this is the same uh, person that you mentioned in the first recording we did, but you did mention that you banned somebody. And I remember back then you mentioned this too. Like, it's really good that I think the point that I took away from that story that you're retelling now is like, you need to give people the room to actually learn from it. Yeah, because if that 100%. person never knew about these things, you don't just cancel them or just make sure they or or try to like wipe them off the face of the internet like i i think i think if you t- you have to kind of tell them because like there's there's an instructive moment right like you can't yeah, absolutely like I, I this is actually something i talked about the other day with another guest it's like you kind of need to give people second chances like without mm-hmm. really harping on this this person it's it's just in general like i feel like the world has become Maybe because I'm terminally online, I just feel like people don't get second chances anymore. It's like if you say something that you kind of misstep, you're just kind of finished. Although I guess we go into this whole like discourse about is cancellation real and maybe we shouldn't. And but it's just like I feel <laughs> I, like in general people should have more second chances. But but you are you know? right because because the average human who is online on social media right now probably interacts with more people than any other human in human history has. On a regular basis, right? On a day-to-day basis, they probably interact with more people yeah. than humans are actually designed or have the mental capacity to do so, right? It is it, a bombardment yeah. of opinion, thought, and yeah. So I think it is categorically correct to say that if someone is just being a bit shitty or you perceive them to being shitty, it's probably constructive towards your day and your life and your mental health just to block on you or move on. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that has a byproduct of people are blocked just assume they're an asshole, and it might just be that you had a misunderstanding. I've got so many people blocked where I'm just like, I can't deal with this right now because I deal with so many people on a daily basis. I have to block and move on. Right. And most of that block list is probably a very small understanding. So I, I do believe my, my personal things, if I meet someone and they're like, we don't gel, I just assume it's a bad day for them, bad day for me. I know I can be abrasive because I'm quite an outspoken and loud person. So I give people second chances. I give people third chances. Sometimes, you know, human beings can have off days and... All that sort of stuff. But the, but social media and the internet removes all of that because you just, how the hell do you do that? Especially if you're a creator or someone who, this is even mm-hmm. more exaggerated. So I think you're right. Second chances online are very hard. I kind of only give them to other people that I interact with regularly, which tends to be other creators. And that's like a privilege almost, mm-hmm. right? That I'm more likely to give someone a second or third chance because I know they make videos. Sounds yeah. bad in practice, but in practicality, that's just uh, a factor of... Being on it's, a bit, being it's a bit on different, Twitter. isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. creators generally have a bit more. Uh, I don't want to say they're all good at it because I'm not very good at it, but just more experience dealing with issues. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so I guess so. in, in I guess a way so. they're like more mature, but it doesn't mean that you can't fuck up. But it's like the, the, everyone's human, yeah. right? So. I, I fucked up in the part. I'm not going to say who. There's a couple of people that I know that I think I came across very badly in a conversation with them. It seemed more extreme than it was. And then we don't really talk anymore. And that's fine. Like, I, I respect their opinion to do that and stuff. We all fuck up. We all fuck up. Yeah. To be honest, I'm surprised that I fuck up so little in my mind compared to where I should have been. <laughs> young, if I had got my channel working like 10 years before now, I probably would have been way worse. 
because I was, you know, a bit more insatiable, yeah. a bit more. No, I want to finish this conversation. I think you should be able to step away from it. But you are right. Give people a second chance and give them space to learn. But also, however, however, it's not the responsibility of the person being shit on, especially if they're in a position where the power isn't with them. So, like a woman in the magical Warhammer space, for example. It's not their job to educate some guys being a dick about making some joke about sandwiches in the kitchen or boobs or whatever the fuck they're doing. It's not their job to do that. So you're also, you're well within your rights to step away and... But like I said, perhaps it's not my job, but it's part of the part package of I can get those people to see, like, actually commenting on someone's cleavage on Twitch is not okay, and perhaps we can move past. It sounds like a very childish lesson to teach, but some mm-hmm. people do need to learn it. So, yeah, it's not it's not on mm-hmm. you to educate people, but giving people a second chance is probably healthy towards personal development of everyone involved. So, yeah. Heavy shit. Has That's your, some heavy has your shit. approach... That's that is some heavy shit. This is what it's all about—the heavy shit, man. This is this is like humans of heavy shit right here. Um, <laughs> so, has your method changed a bit? Because I, I I'm just gonna remind you, like the first time we talked, uh, you mentioned how like you try to really absorb the comments and feedback mm-hmm. that you get from your videos. Mm-hmm. But we also talked about how hard it is to scale because even like three years ago, you found it really hard just to keep up with it all right yeah and, and yeah. now you have mentioned like now for example i might just like block or mute someone because i just can't deal with it right now because i have yeah. finite time in the day right i need yeah. to hang out with my dog my wife and make videos so but i'm just wondering like have you have you do you have has your view changed at all about that yeah, like because it feels it's, like it's, at that time working. you were like just trying to be more it's not working okay no. yeah yeah sorry i cut you off there i think we're getting small amount of lag there oh um, no no that, that was the question yeah yeah you know so I used to try and read every comment. I can't now, um, which in some ways is a good thing because it's an indication that I've grown and I've got larger. So that's nice. Um, but I still, I still mm-hmm. do. I try to just take samples. I just go in and read comments, and I replied to a few this morning. For example, someone was trying to t- score me on the rules during our EDH game that I let someone go back to pre-combat to cast an instant. Isn't to be cast at any time. I'm like, yes, but they wanted to cast it before combat, so we we just did that. It's okay. Calm down. So I do that, but I can't. I can't interact with all of them. That is the important one to address, Vince. Yeah, I, I, that's the <laughs> point, right? What, what, you are right, though, making that joke, because I am picking the weirdest stuff to interact with. But it's more just, like, almost at random in a way. Because I, I, I still want to be approachable mm-hmm. and talk to people and learn from people who are, like, in a different situation to myself. But at the same time, like, the video from yesterday has... The one that blew up has... Uh... 1,507 comments. comments. So to pretend that I read them all is just, that's just not humanly possible, right? Especially to read them and process them. Um, I actually think I waste a lot of time reading comments and people on Twitter. Um, My wife even jokes like, what what are you doing? Like, so my time management's awful. Um, But yeah, I I try. I can't. So I'm trying to get better at not doing it. Um, I miss people replying to me notifications. People that I like know personally. But I replied to you on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I didn't see it. Because... It's, there's too much noise. I don't know. I don't know how like spiffing Brit, for example, yeah. when we talked about very early on in this, this dude like makes every video is like a million views. He's massive. I don't know how he deals with the noise coming in or anyone of that scale. Prof is another one, right? Prof gets like three point five times my views. So how he just deals mm-hmm. with the amount of noise coming in, I do not know. 
we talked about the command zone earlier. At least they got 29 people to deal with all the noise and the feedback and the discussion, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I've changed in that respect. I want to, but I now focus a lot of my energy towards like chatting to people on my Discord and stuff because they're patrons, so yeah. they deserve my time a bit more in a way. Oh, of course, yeah. you got to like, prioritize. How much yeah. time can one human being have? <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's an economy of scale in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I still really enjoy your, I, I told you this three years ago, and even now I, I, I feel the same. I really enjoy your, your tweets because like, for me, they're kind of like an information gathering tool because I, I know you like to say stuff to get an, a, a reaction. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that's how I feel. It's just like, why did Vince tweet that? But I think other times it is actually good just to kind of get the pulse. And it's like, I can, I feel that like, that's kind of like your organic way of like getting material that goes into your videos or just like creating like viewpoints. Am I, am I Absolutely. wrong? Cause I'm maybe no, I'm no, inferring. No. I mean, that. sometimes I, I, I will put it in my video. I'll put someone's tweet that's replied to me in the video and they're like, this person said this. And oh, that's right. You do that. Yeah. So like, um, yeah. I use Twitter too much. I'm probably addicted to it. Um, I do say things sometimes get reaction. Like, I mean, I was tweeting about shit myself the other day and that was, that was not that li literal physically shitting myself. I didn't actually do it, but I was tweeting about the possibility of it. And that was just for like a bit of, jokes and banter and stuff um but yeah I, I think it's good to get a thing on the pulse as it were there's a general zeitgeist to understand where people are at but also over time and i'm trying to i'm trying to steer the conversation in a different way to this is that the circle jerk of negativity is so strong that you can get pulled along with it so like like i i don't know if we said it on the podcast just before it started um magic is dying because of the thousand dollar collector thing and it's just not but people are saying that in my comments and replies on Twitter. And I'm just like, I'll see it in a notification. Yeah. I'll roll my eyes, just close my phone. So I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. This is fucking it's nonsense. Always the sky is falling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there, there is no yeah. of like getting a conversation going and um, getting a finger on the pulse. But sometimes the pulse is marred by like a negativity. And that comes back to that whole yeah. thing of like, I get accusations sometimes of people who don't watch my videos. That that's what my videos are about. And it's like, well, from the yeah. thumb and the title, you might get that impression in all fairness, because you're trying to figure out how to get people to click and thumbs and titles are the most important mm -hmm. part of that. So I, again, I, 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 mm -hmm. I, I put several thumbnails up on my discord and I'll be like, guys, vote on these. What one, you, what one would you click? And people, and people are like, the first mm -hmm. one seems very negative. I'm like, yes, I know. But unfortunately that is the nature of the game. But would you click it? And I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. You're all, we're all part of the problem here. We're all part of the problem. But I try the videos yes. aren't like that. I think the videos are more rational. So yes, Twitter is important. And yes, that conversation is important. I also just surf Reddit now and again as well, especially if some news has dropped. I'll be like, let's go and have a look at a copium on Reddit. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's good to get, a, <laughs> to get like um, a finger on that pulse. So I know I've said this like very glibly in the past, maybe to you or to others. Like I've, I have this phrase, which is like, Twitter isn't real. And I don't mean it's like literally not real, but it's just like, it, it does seem to me like it. And I, by the way, I have to say, I am terminally online on Twitter and it's terrible. And I've tried quitting several times, like cold turkey and it just has not worked. Cause I do think of it as kind of like a, a marketing promotion tool for yeah. content. Yeah. Um, and you do get to do things like, you know, it's like, I try things like, Hey, uh, you know, maybe I'll just like DM people. Cause I, I arrange interviews that way. And, but it's just like, I just, I'm just gravitating to the notifications and it's just, I know it's terrible, but again, tangent, once again, tangent from my lizard brain. I'm the question is, I know I've said that Twitter isn't real. So I'm, I'm curious, like if you like, 
is it real for you? Like, just in the sense of like, do you feel like the feedback coming from it is indicative of like the, and I'm not saying that in itself matters, but is it enough to inform you on how you should like create content yourself? Cause like, I, it sounds yeah. like you're taking from discord, you're taking from Reddit, like Twitter is only one data point, but I, I'm curious how you feel about that. I probably spend the disproportionate amount of time on Twitter compared to the others. Discord is probably my primary one. Cause like, I hang out on my discord and play like League of Legends with people and stuff. So. So Discord is definitely like a, Discord was a social talk during lockdown. It's like, I can't go out and see my friends. That's just any patrons want to play some league. And we've like built like quite a little community around League Legends and stuff. But, um, but Twitter, it's good for news as well. Like I'll learn things from there. It's, it's like, it's a news source. Like I'll tweet, I will sometimes tweet stuff, um, quite clearly. I think like, I'm not like, does anyone know X? And people, it's Kibler Google, as people joke, right? And people like, actually there's this and that. And people yeah. will link things and stuff. Like it can be a really good gathering tool in a way. I try not to tweet misinformation. I don't want to tweet, this is X, and then be wrong. I'm, I'm willing to be wrong, but not normally on something that someone then might like be angry at Wizards about. That's not really fair. Um, so being wrong is okay, but not about product information, if you can help it. Uh, so yeah, I use it to gather information. Yeah. I use it to get like an idea of how people are feeling. Although sometimes you just get the idea that everyone... Like, you might end up... If you get in at the beginning, and you're getting like, fresh ideas from people, and people are saying things, you're like, cool. But if you come into like the conversation right now about the $1,000 thing, we are... We are like 18 hours after and everyone is just, it's just memes and vitriol. So you're not going to get anything useful right. out of that other than perhaps a laugh or perhaps a weird cathartic lizard brain like, oh yeah, that's it. Stick it to the man. Stick it to the man. Which isn't great because that doesn't help you do anything. Um, so yeah, it depends. Mm. you got to pick your moments in some ways. It isn't real. But then sometimes yeah. someone will be like, um, will reply saying, oh, my local game store actually didn't get X. I'm like, oh, okay. That's learning an interesting thing. Maybe I can talk to the game store. Mm -hmm. um stuff like that like um someone reached out to me it never came came another video i did a video on um the the, the misprints that have flies stuck in them it's cards to go for the printers and there's flies on the sheet and it, it leaves an imprint of a fly and these cards go one of them was on ebay for like a thousand dollars and i did a video on it because the whole thing was so silly and then the guy reached out to me i think it was via twitter he dm'd me going oh by the way i um i'm the owner of that car and stuff like that Oh, no, there's tweets that got me into it originally and then read it. And so, yeah, you get, it's good. It's a good way to interact with people. People can tweet at me as well. My DMs tend to be closed, right? yeah. but people can tweet at me. Yeah. And that's nice as well. Cause sometimes you get, you know, positive feedback or yeah. Or sometimes someone goes off on one and calls me it, a SJW cuck, but that's just uh, the flip side of being <laughs> on the internet, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's a double-edged sword, right? Cause it is awesome for just like real time news. Like the other day I just asked, like, is anybody, uh, wanting to resell their magic 30 ticket? Cause I was asking for a friend. I really was. And I got responses back right away. Like where else can you just do that super easily? Like yeah, I, I exactly. like Twitter is like almost like the, the best way to do that or to get like the breaking news on the thousand dollar boosters. It's like, I didn't hear about that by like, I don't know, surfing Reddit or like refreshing the wizard's homepage. Right. Well, so this is what I've, I've said this for a long time. Um, and this might sound a bit, a bit mean spirited, but I hope it doesn't. So people get very excited when they first get featured on the mothership, like on the website. And being involved with Wizards can be helpful for your career, 100%. Like the video I just put out yesterday was, you know, a sponsored video with them, 100%, 100%. And previews can bring in views too. I've seen people get way more views on their preview videos. But when you get your stuff featured specifically on the mothership, it doesn't really do anything because no one goes to the mothership anymore. I remember back in when I was a younger right. Magic player, I'd go to magicthegathering.com every other day to check in news and stuff. I, I used to work in a call center and I'd have it on a tab that people couldn't see and I'd be looking. Um, but nowadays, no one does. The news is on Reddit and Twitter and YouTube, 
right? Maybe, I guess, arguably mm-hmm. TikTok or Instagram as well, but even then, they're not really news A lot of people are going to find out about $1,000 boosters from your YouTube video. Yes. I'm sure of it. That's, that's the really funny thing because it did so well. Is that it you're providing a new one, service, my friend? But it opens with me just laughing. You're the telegraph. Yeah, I'm laughing, and I say the words, "This is the wildest fucking news I've ever heard." It's, so I, it sets the tone a little bit, doesn't it? Which is very funny in a way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that pissed someone off at Wizards. Um, I hope I, I, I oh, it's a weird relationship with them, right? Because but you know I, what's great about Wizards, and I'm going to say it, not you. The right hand doesn't talk to the left hand. I've had a relationship with Wizards as well. And it's like, I've done stuff that I thought would really piss them off. But then the next day I have a call with like somebody at Wizards in another department. Like they have no idea what I did or they are very that I'm even behind humans yeah. and magic or like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's just but it's, like, it, they it's, have it's, no it's idea. A good, and, it's, a, it's a bad thing sometimes, but primarily I think it's a good thing because yeah, like you're not... It's good not. It's to, also why you have to pitch them like, "Hey, I'm I'm Pleasant Kenobi. I do Warhammer 40k and magic." Like, like there's yeah. not like a like left and le- left and right hand. That's all I can say. Yeah. There's a I've told this story so many times, but I don't know if I've ever told it publicly. So here's one that I've done this is a thing. So originally when I got my very very first preview, so I'd asked Wizards for a preview. I it's about when I had like maybe 10k subs, maybe less. And I was speaking to a member of staff. Oh that God, that known. was a whole lobbying process for me too. I, I'll get. I won't get into that. I'll, sorry, please. I, this is my lizard brain. No, again. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested. But this is a really quick anecdote. So I messaged a guy asking them, please, can I have a preview card from the European PRT? And they say, sure. Just give me a moment. Let me have a look into it for you. And they come back and they 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 link me to a tweet of mine where I've retweeted someone's playmat. So at an event, the Scottish gentleman was saying. Can you write something um, wildly lewd on this playmat? It was a playmat for Avid Mind Sensor. And my immediate reaction was, I can write something on this, but you won't be able to use it at FNM. Right? You can't use this at public stores if I write like the word fuck on it or whatever. He's like, yeah, go for it. So I do a speech bubble where it says, try searching your library now, you fucking cunt. Right? And he laughed, I laughed. It's just his thing to have a home with his friends. That's funny, though. Yeah. Yes. He tweets it at me. I retweet it. We move on. Uh, this Wizards employee says to me, I'm sorry, we can't give you a preview card because this does not fit with the family values of Wizards of the Coast. And I'm like, you know what? You know what? Okay, sure. Absolutely. I get it. I absolutely get it. If, you, if, you, this, if this is your first access to my brand, and it is part of the brand, fine. Anyway, less than seven days later, an American member of staff emails me my first preview card. Like, less than seven days later. So the, <laughs> so the European PR were like, you're not family friendly. American PR were like, we don't know who you are, but you've got 10K subs as a, as a thing. It's, it's that. And I, I find that very funny. Um, yeah. That was your OnlyFans <laughs> moment. You're, you were like blacklisted, but then you were whitelisted. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I think I've gone like that with them. Like, I've, I've worked with them. And I, have, I have rapport with quite a few people at Wizards. And I think there are really good people that work at Wizards too, um, for the most part. I think a lot of the issues come from marketing. Uh, which I think is a higher level, like the Hasbro. Like the $1,000 thing. Mm-hmm. Like Rose Walt was saying on his blog, this would never happen. And then a year later, it's happened. So I don't, I don't think it's any of the design team making these decisions, <laughs> right? They make pretty good game products, if, if we're honest about it. So. Yeah, if I if I do say so. Yeah, it's funny, because when you said marketing, I, my brain was like, Mark... Team, <laughs> but I, I was thinking man? Mark Rosewater because yeah. Well, bless his cotton, they do wheel him out to be the vocal point of, of the company as well. So he ends up getting him and Gavin get a lot of yeah. the stick because they're the vocal like people in front. I'm like these decisions are not being I made. I think by once people, Mark you know? retires, it'll be it'll be Gavin full time, right? Because Gavin yeah, is practically the, the spokesperson. But I, I also get the impression yeah. that's not part yeah. of that. I don't think that's on their contract to be the spokesperson. They just pick it up because they, because they love magic and they love interacting with people. A similar thing to what we're talking about now, right? What value is there being on Twitter? 
Well, yeah. Mark Rosewater and Gavin have probably had that conversation with people as well because they are online. Yeah. Gavin's got his YouTube, Mark's got his blog and stuff. You know, there's an argument that yeah. that brings a lot more like vitriol to them as people, which isn't fair to them a lot of the time. But, but the positive yeah. probably outweighs the negative in the same way that I'm saying about Twitter and Reddit. I actually think the downside outweighs the upside. Like, I don't know you if think? you ever heard this, like, but there was this, there's this um, American author whose name I like to invoke, like Chuck Klosterman. And he, he once wrote about how, like, because he used to interview celebrities and musicians and athletes for a living when he was writing for Spin Magazine, which is like back when there was a printed magazine, right? It's, mm. it's extinct. Um, and he was basically just saying, like, yeah, he, he wrote an essay once, which I thought was really brilliant. Like, he was like, why do people agree to be interviewed? Like, if you think about it, it changes nothing about our perception of them. Like if, if, um, I don't know, Kanye West said something in interview, like your mind has already been made up about him. Right. It's like, uh, I, I don't know, insert like famous person. It's like, there's, there's almost no upside. Like the, the downside is like, you say something really fucking stupid and then, and then people pick yeah, up on so, it. So, it's, so I feel the same way about like Twitter. So it's it's just like, reward, if you're a public right? personality, there's almost no what's that risk rewards so you're saying there's a risk of you saying something stupid i mean we've talked about that yeah yeah the, podcast, isn't, like, isn't there more risk so maybe i put a, a risk in there but um maybe. Uh, you're, you're I, putting yourself out there i appreciate that my friend but uh. i think i think the kanye example <laughs> kanye is a weird one because kanye is kanye like that's a whole that's he's he, but any 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 celebrity if you go into an interview with a perception of them already and you don't want to really hear what they've got to say then i don't know why you're reading an interview or watching an interview right you want to surely you want to yeah. find some information about something if you're watching one of these things um so i don't know if i agree yes. with that entirely but i do i do know what he means with the risk thing but there's risk in everything you do every time i turn a camera on i talk into it like someone dm'd me yesterday vince you mentioned a proxy website is that not like absolutely faux pas and i'm like no nah, apparently no one gives a shit about this proxy website wizards haven't ceased and assisted them it's they, they don't make proxies they make playing cards you can pick up loads your it's a whole complicated thing so there's a risk with everything you do. Yeah. Every video I put out is a risk. Every interview you do is a risk. Um, sure. You walk but, down the street, there's some risk, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does does the does the positive outweigh it? Because you got you got to walk down the street, right? You got to you got to move from point A to point B. I think so. I think so. Like I'm a, like my, okay. my, like I would assume that some people listening to this have never really heard something like this from me before. Though I've done a few like these, one with you, for example, and that's that's a positive thing for me. If I have full of, I don't know. Also, there's there's an economy of scale again, right? When you're absolutely huge, when you are like Tom Cruise, it doesn't really fucking matter because you've you're like an absolutely unstoppable force at that point. Um, at our level, even at the height of our game, even the prof and stuff is not like even approaching that level. If that makes sense, so there's still a conversation to be had about how much merit there is in uh, reaching a few more people and getting them to subscribe or getting them to watch your stuff. Or, right. And also there's a social obligation. We've had this conversation and someone might be listening to this and they've never really thought about how like, they've never actually met a queer person before. So maybe that's why they've got some weird view on like trans people. And that might, again, that's a social obligation. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. There's so right. much to it. There's layers upon layers upon layers. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I mean, one of the reasons to be interviewed is so you can like speak your mind about stuff. Cause I have people like on the show, just say like, this is kind of cool. Like there's, a, I don't know if you agree with it after we recorded this, but it's like, Hey, there's actually a, a, I don't typically talk about this stuff, right? Because you're not going to get the, the viewership. Like if you, by, by, by talking yeah. to me for an hour about this on your YouTube channel, it's, uh, um, but 
I do want to just mention something because uh, speaking of Tom Cruise, this is a pretty terrible segue, but speaking of Tom Cruise, you are on your way to becoming Tom Cruise, like 100K subs. That is oh, yes, quite a massive achievement. Yes, that was the first step to be Tom Cruise. Achievement. Subs, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you're basically filming Mission Impossible 5 or 6 Apparently. at this point. So, um, okay. Anyway, jokes aside, that was a terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> you, 100K <what> you... <laughs> subs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I hit it. Um... I'm like just inadvertently... Yeah, I mean, tell me, tell me about what it felt like to to get that milestone. Uh, what, did it, what did it feel like? It's pretty much um, the the channel and the growth that I've had with it, and the opportunities provided me is probably the one thing I'm the most proud of in my life. So, like, to be completely candid and completely honest, getting 100k and getting a plaque was like um, mind blowing. Like, um, uh, like I was very emotional when it arrived. I was emotional when I got it. I stayed up late waiting for the last couple of days. I was 30 off when it was happening, like quite late at night. And then I had to, I tweeted in the end and that got me over the line. Um, massively unbelievable achievement because prior to YouTube, a lot of the jobs that I did, which mainly like were in banking and I, I was a failed teacher and shit because I started my postgrad and hated it. Um, I always felt like I was failing. I always felt like I failed at everything. I never really got anywhere. And then, like, the channel and being online and talking to people and that sort of thing is the first thing I've ever felt successful at. Although that's, again, a um, subjective thing, I guess, what is success and that sort of shit. But I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I'm very happy with where I am, and I'm very lucky to be where I am. Um, so, yeah, the 100K is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me, <laughs> which is kind of wild to say out loud, but it's 100% true. Like, I absolutely... I love it. And the the really sad thing is the next arbitrary milestone, what is it? 200k, 250, 500. I don't know. It's so far away by comparison, if that makes sense. That's kind of the sadness of it all. Yeah, there's elation. Then you're like, well, the hill is yet to be climbed and still we're still climbing and stuff. But yeah, it's pretty pretty big. What news. is your goal? Like do you have a do you have a tangible goal? Is it to get the next plaque or um so, so, so subcount doesn't actually. Everyone knows this. Right? Subcount doesn't actually matter. Like, um, my week, week in, week out, month in, month out is like how many views am I getting, um, and how long right. are those people sitting? Views, impressions, watching? that's what matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So views, watch time, and if we really get nailed down to it in terms of like paying my bills, it's like how many they did they hit an ad spot, and did the was the sponsor happy with the video, right? Because that allows me to like eat and breathe and um, breathe. Eat and uh, live. Um, so, like, my my, my 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 target, my KDA, my numbers that I give myself is that I want to just... KDA? Not KDA. Key performance indicators. KPIs. Uh, I want to do better than I have done the last month in terms of views. Views is where I'm at. So, like, 1 million is, like, 1.1, 1.2 is my best. I think this month now after yesterday, which is my best on YouTube ever, I should hit my next milestone, like, 1.3, 1.2, 1.4, whatever. But my actual goal... Fuck knows <laughs> i guess um the thing i've been saying to people is that prof is like an inspiring person to know and talk to and see and see what he does because a he is the biggest fish in this rather small pond he is our yardstick right people mm. my my friends who don't really understand magical youtube are like how well can you possibly do making content about card games and i'm like well i'm doing all right mm. right now and there's this gentleman called brian of community college who is, he is our yardstick. He's out in the water, and as far as that stick floats, that is at least the ceiling of where we can go, right? And he is smashing it. And beyond that as well, alongside smashing it, he does so much good for the community, right? The money he's raised for, like, Trans Lifeline and stuff is yeah. insane. The support he's given to those people. So, 
yeah, he's my, in a weird way, and I know he's like one of my very good friends and I make content with him, but he's like my inspiration in that sense because he's just, he is where I can go from here. Like the only way is up in a sense that there is a ceiling that I can get to. I haven't hit a peak or whatever. My actual personal goal is I, I would love to have a space that I can stream physical EDH and physical Warhammer and physical D&D from. I'm not really at that space just yet. Similar to that video that came out yesterday. It looks beautiful, but it's a really expensive so a studio. project. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, Loading Ready Run have it, right? And stuff like that. But the difference is Loading Ready Run, Game Nights, the, even like people like the nitpicking nerds and people who've got studio spaces and stuff that they record from, they're multi-people things. And I don't think I'll ever be a multi-person thing. Because I like the DIY old school YouTuber thing. Um, so yeah, a studio space would be amazing. I'd love to once a week play Warhammer for three to four hours with a chat and chat to them as we go and just like have a really relaxed time playing tabletop and then doing a, a D&D thing every two weeks and stuff like that. That's where I'd love to go. But I, I, that's a, I'm a little bit off that at the moment. But I was a little bit off 100k three or four years ago, so who knows. Is that, yeah, is that, um, is that a good answer? I don't know. I'm just like throwing out ideas. It, it is. It, it's just, it's just, I'm just going to ask, it's just leading me to ask more questions. I hope you don't mind because yeah, uh, no, of course. Like, I mean, that was a really good answer. I don't know if it was a good answer because they're, yeah. so, they're so like fucking fluffy goals. Like, I don't really, what, there's no number that allows me to do that, I guess, apart from the behind the scenes finances. So I'm very, I'm very bad. I'm very badly organized as a person. So I'm saying these things. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know in my head where the fuck, where I get to to be able to do that. So I guess we'll, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> a follow-up question I have about this is: I know you said you play Warhammer because you you enjoyed it and it really helped you through some stuff, and it's it's a cool game, cool backstory, stuff like that. Um, but in the back of my, in the back of your mind, you. Are you thinking like maybe I can become bigger than the golden standard of magic at some point by doing more than one game? Like there's more, there's a bigger market for, for yeah. me to dominate in or, so, or so, potentially. Yes. So there's, it's a really interesting one because I believe in doing Warhammer content. It actually hampered my growth because YouTube is not very forgiven for going off niche. So I, ha I kind of had to bully my way through it by just keep doing it. It's almost like perseverance in a way. And then some of the Warhammer videos now are like 80, 100, 120K, which is good numbers for me. I don't, my videos don't always get that. So Warhammer's weirdly got this thing where the content can be evergreen for longer. Because if you talk about the law of Warhammer, for example, it's much more evergreen than what's topical and modern right now, for example. Um, but when I started doing that, I actually saw like, I've seen, you see a subgrowth, right? And on the days that I release Warhammer videos, my subgrowth will be minimal. On a rare occasion where I did my video about the monarchy, for my first ever negative day, where enough people unsubscribe to offset the upsubscribe, and I end up like a minus two for the day. But so, so Warhammer has had, I can see it having a knock-on effect of being negative initially. And I've had to bully my way through that. Would it help me in the long term? I think so. Because, I mean, the opportunity to do this video with Wizards came about because I did both things, right? Um, and I don't want to always just be magic. Magic will all, probably always be my main game because it's my favorite game ever made. We, we, I'm sure you'll agree that magic's pretty fucking fantastic as far as games are concerned. Uh, it is, yeah. But I do want to expand. I do want to do Warhammer and D&D &D and the occasion. I've been doing weird stuff. I did a video on Mariah Carey's collectibles last year. I did a video on the um, anal chess beads. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. I've done, so, I've done mm. some weird stuff that I've done pretty well as well. And I'm like, yes, it's great to go out of niche and not get punished. 
Um, but you've got to be aware that YouTube as a platform, if your video isn't about magic, it may not even put it out to your audience. And if your audience don't click on it and put it out, not even to the people beyond your audience, and then you've just got a video that flops. So in some ways, the stuff beyond magic, I have to tell myself, don't spend too much time on it because it may not reward you. I did some battle reports, which is basically gameplay for Warhammer. And those things took like fucking upwards of 10 hours to make. And they're some of my worst performing Warhammer videos. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't keep doing that. So there's that conscious thing as well. So mm. yes, but also I know in the short term it hurts. But in the long term, I want people to come and stay for me, not just come for the magic, if that makes sense. So I want to be a personality, not just a, It does. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you consider what some YouTubers do, which is, you must have, right? Which Second is channels. like spinning a different channel. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it is it like just the main channel has too much clout that helps uh, so, Warhammer? So, so historically, like, uh -huh. historically, if you look at anybody who's got a second channel, especially when it comes to gaming in the gaming sphere, the second channels usually die. Either A, because they just don't get the traction the first channel did, or B, because the workload to keep both channels up is too high and the creator themselves neglect it. There are weird examples. Maxim Ofo is a good example, I think, where he made a Pokemon channel to open all his Pokemon cards and then moved across to almost exclusively doing that and his other channel stagnated. But again, that's just a proof of keeping energy up on both channels is difficult. In recent time, though, both Loading Ready Run pushed Magic out from the main channel on YouTube, and Goldfish pushed Commander out from the main channel on YouTube, and both of those have been relatively successful. However, the difference between them and I is that Loading Ready Run is a team of, you know, 8 to 16 people at any one time, uh, and Goldfish is um, 4, 5, 6, I think 6 people on staff. Um... Mm -hmm. So I had conversations with those people about this. Like, should I, should I, shouldn't I, should I? And they, I, I came to the conclusion that I don't think that's practical for the work process that I've got at the moment. But also, like, Warhammer and Magic is a weird one because they've got a crossover and audience, but you could argue that with the Goldfish stuff as well. So I think it can be done. I just don't know if individuals can do it. Um, maybe when I've got, like, some of them I use an editor semi-regularly. I'm trying to get into a regular rhythm with them and then pick up a second one. And that's, that's my plan for the growth of the channel in the future. Uh, maybe when I've got three editing staff under me and then someone else like doing like thumbnails or something, and maybe once I get to that point, then I can do that. But at the moment, I just think it would be impossible. You don't have enough time. I spend so much time on Twitter, but you don't have enough time. So, yeah. Are you thinking about doing that? Like building out a team? I know you mentioned that it's sort of um, a bit against your ethos, right? Yeah. So I, I, I love YouTube as this space in which an individual can put themselves out there and the diy old school i'm a person come with me on my adventure kind of thing i do recognize and acknowledge that i don't know if youtube is going to be like that forever or if it is even like that now right because there's a success of content where it's mm -hmm. made by huge teams and shit we're way more like traditional media than we ever were um but mm -hmm. in terms of team i would love to offload the majority of my editing work to other people because i think i'm an okay editor but i'm not that skilled and other people can make things a bit more razzle-dazzle and exciting. Um, and I'm getting to the point where I can do that now. Sponsorships like the video yesterday with Wizards, stuff like that, allows me to do that. Um, so yes, team means subcontracting to people to get my editing done. I always kind of want to, <coughs> excuse me, write my own stuff, if I can. Uh, like some people, a lot of YouTubers end up with script editors and writers and stuff. But I kind of just it's want... It's your voice. You want your yeah, voice. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. So people can do the post-production and help with that sort of stuff and the business end of things. But I want the, I want the channel to be me. And maybe that's an ego thing. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just uh, not be like that. And maybe the, the future would be better without it. So team, kind of. Kind of.
I don't think mm. I'll ever have an office mm. space where it's like Team Kenobi. Um, well, that's bollocks. I can't mm. say that because who knows what the next three or four years entail. Like, you know, if I hit 500k, I probably won't. But in the next three years, fuck, fuck knows what, what could be going on then. But I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But editors, yes. If you want to edit some of my stuff, by the way, I'm looking for a second editor. Someone wants to listen to this and wants to drop me an email, by all means do so. <laughs> You need to find your uh, Hillier Smith or whoever it was that uh, did Logan Paul's videos. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I've watched his, his editing videos. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Incredible it's, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very switched on and he's got a lot to say about content that I think is interesting. Do you watch yes. a lot of um, um, like content creator YouTube? So like, I absolutely do. I am in the uh, abyss or purgatory of like, I love watching the how YouTube is made YouTube videos. Like, I'm just like attracted like that to a moth to the flame or whatever the saying is like i i just love like understanding how things are made right i think the last yeah. time we did an interview i told you how like i don't play video games anymore i just i just read about how the games industry works and how games are made and i feel like now i'm just like this is actually why even though i've only been a youtuber for like 36 days right um and i know i'm not really doing the same type of videos because it's like it's it's interviews i'm also thinking about like there's still some things that I can, like, I'm learning how to do fucking thumbnails now. And I had zero ability 36 days ago, and I'm happy that I've been like, hey, I should know how to, like, you know, make a thumbnail and actually, like, you know, have titles. And I'm, 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 I'm just, I mean, you're, you're basically like Shaquille Neal or Michael Jordan. And I'm like, you know, the guy who's like, uh, you know, I just learned how to dribble the the basketball as a three-year-old you, you like, we're not stuff, on the same level like, right but yeah I, I i still i feel like a small fish who doesn't really know what he's doing half the time um and then when because it, it, it's it's true right like the, the niche is relatively small and i'm doing all right in this niche i i don't know when you say that thing about shanique, shanique um shakaneel or whatever i'm like well yeah maybe the prop is that for us you know the best in the game or whatever i am but I don't know, some guy playing at the college level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean, I mean, uh, I just love like, so to answer your question, yes, I, I do like to watch those kind of things because I also really love understanding the, it's a terrible term, but the content creator economy. And so mm. this is also why I try to do interviews like this, where I try to talk to people in magic about these things, because I want to know how you guys do or how you guys think about it, right? I, I know that you guys have your secret sauce, you have your different ways. And it, there's no one formula that works, which is obviously just, that's just life in a nutshell. You can't just like copy someone verbatim and just become the next Logan Paul. That just doesn't happen. No. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And, uh, but I, I love the fact that people like, this is a craft. Like now that I'm a YouTuber, a, a terrible one, but I, I, I see that. And I, and I love learning by like doing it. So it's like, only in the process of learning how to do a thumbnail or learning how to do a video or like thinking about the first 15 seconds of the video. It's like now I have much more appreciation and love for like seeing how other people do their videos. Like now when I watch your video, I'm looking at your jump cuts. I'm looking at how you do the transitions. I'm thinking about like how you synchronize the music with what you're saying because like mm. everything matters. And it's like subconsciously everything matters to the viewer. And I, I love that shit. I just, I just, I can go so deep into that stuff. That's do you I, find, so yeah, that's my very long ass way of like saying. Since you started editing I, stuff, I, I do, do you find yourself stuff, yeah. noticing weird cuts in TV shows? Do you notice that now? Something that I never used to notice. And then like yes. we were watching, 
might have been House of Dragons or something. No, it's Lord. It's House of Dragons. It's a, there was a weird cut where it went from someone's perspective. No, it's, it's Invincible Power of all things. They're really expensive. The Lord of Rings show where guys looking left, but it cuts to someone mm. else on the right of him looking right. And my wife was like, and I went like that. And my wife said, like, "What? Yeah. It's a really weird cut." And she said, like, "I didn't notice it." And it's not because I like I'm like a film knowledgeable man now, but where I spent all my day, all day, mm. every day, either watching or editing footage. Yeah. Like you just know that's it, your life. Yeah. Like yeah. you're 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 thinking about the continuity and everything. Because you because you mentioned about yeah. jump cuts and, it, and the end and the synchronization of music and stuff. And there will be people that watch videos that never that never even occurs to them. Right? They'll know there'll be a right. subconscious feeling of energy or rhythm or whatever that that stuff should c- connote or create for them. But they may never consider those mm-hmm. individual little elements, and yeah. So I'm, I'm like you now because because of, of the job. When I'm watching videos, I'm always thinking about how's that edit. Oh, I wonder how they fit that camera in that room, or if they're using that camera, is that a smaller? I think yeah. about the logistics because I, get, I I hate production days. I'm moving cameras to a different room and stuff. I hate those sort of things. It really yeah. bugs me because it sucks my rhythm. But when I see other people doing, I'm like, oh, I yeah. wonder how they did that in a way that's like like efficient in time right. and energy. Oh, and then, I, and then I normally, yeah. the, in the modern YouTube landscape, I'm like, oh, there's nine of them. So one of them did it with the other one. And that's when I realized <laughs> that actually being a team makes things a lot easier, you know? So Yeah, that's when that's when you're like, yeah, because you, if you have a team member, you can like really go super deep into that one sequence and someone can actually work on yeah. that. Uh, and you just can't if you're a one-person team. And uh, uh, another example is like I watch Ristic Studies videos now and I notice the, like those really slow pans and how he puts like the image into in in a border i'm just like i never noticed that stuff before yeah no i never did and sometimes but now that i'm yeah and and i'm like oh he's he's done that because that footage is only available in 480p so he's done that because we can't put that full screen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just like there maybe there's some constraints yeah yeah yeah, you you can can see the tricks to try and get around that stuff yeah yeah absolutely yeah although i've learned i I almost feel like yeah oh go on sorry Oh no! I I I was gonna say I almost feel like there is a second like career in my like sliding doors moment where I just start like analyzing magic videos or something, <laughs> doing the, <laughs> you, the commentary and then I'm not reviewing the that. other commentators, reviewing um, Ristic studies or Pleasant Kenobi videos. Something I've learned recently though from seeing some creators who have blown up who have put like their production value is just is like minimal or or non-existent is that sometimes you can you can get away if you've got a strong video idea or a good thumb and title to go with it. You can just mm-hmm. put stuff out there and it's fine. Like, like Jenny Nicholson is a, um, a commentator who does a lot of like, Disney and media commentary stuff. And her videos are literally her on a bed talking to camera with zero, yeah. literally zero on-screen additions, right? She just cuts it. Mm-hmm. But she's so good. Her scripts are so good and what she says is so good, plus her titles and thumbs, that that, that helps. And then, like, um, All Specs Tactics is a Warhammer YouTuber who is absolutely blown up. And his stuff is just PowerPoint presentations. But people who don't like him mock but I'm like, no, he gives so much information on screen at any one time, even if it looks a bit, sh- mm-hmm. if we're honest, it looks a bit shit. That's the joke. It's like, oh, his videos look like shit. But he gives the information in such a pure and easy to understand way that he has done something that no one else is doing, and that has blown up. And what I think yeah. from that is like, we can talk about, you know, how you're cutting, your rhythm of your energy, your, how you use your music. But some people just find a secret source that is different. They're just doing something so out there and different to other people. That mm-hmm. people resonate with it and mm-hmm. stick to it and then love it and then become devoted fans and stuff. And I find that fascinating. Well, I'm worrying, oh, is, is image I'm going to put on screen is low res. So if I stretch it out, I can't put it on a whole screen. Like I just about the Vistic study videos. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, yeah. you know what? I think the video is good enough. I'm just like, fuck it. Here's an image. It's not the highest res thing I can get. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's not, that's not the focus of the video. Mm-hmm. So I guess to your original mm-hmm. question, am I a perfectionist? No, because I'm seeing other people not be perfectionists and succeed because what they're doing mm-hmm. doesn't need that perfection element. 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's a valid tangent. It, it makes sense. I mean, it like to be a YouTuber, you have to be an observant craftsman. And I think what you're saying is that, again, there's no like one way to do it, right? Because like, no. if your message is strong enough or your voice is interesting enough, you could have the shittiest production values. Like nothing against the examples you mentioned. I, I don't know them, right? I haven't watched your stuff. But sometimes even like a lo-fi aesthetic can become your brand. Yeah, like absolutely. not everybody is a Mr. Beast. Nobody, sh- not everybody should be a Mr. Beast with like multi-million dollar budget on a video. It's just like, well, we see that in the magic space. I think right? first you got to tell like, your story. People yeah. are always like, oh, why don't you just do game nights? It's like, well, and there isn't 29. I don't know if it is 29, but it's close to that number of people. Right. And they have a good, really and if budget. you do a replica of game nights, is it really special? Right. Cause yeah, there is a game yeah. nights, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, me saying there's a lot of stuff is not a slight to them at all. Like it is a testament to how well they've done. But, like, it means that you cannot yeah. be that thing. So perhaps you have to find a different thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that's, that, that's helped me to realize that sometimes I've got, I've got a bit of a unique angle because people aren't doing as much commentary in the magic space. There's more people who come up recently. Mm-hmm. Nikachu, Nitpicking Nerds, other creators that are doing that sort of thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, finding mm-hmm. something that's unique is almost as important as finding, like, the, the quality of content in a way. Uh, both those things are valid strategies. If your yeah. content just looks and sounds amazing... And then people start clicking and watching it, you'll get their attention and people like it. But if you're doing something that no one else is doing, that's also the way to do it. It's not that's not easy. Telling someone to go and do something that no one mm. else is doing is pretty it's pretty shit advice ultimately. But it's something that I've uh, <laughs> thought about recently. In the same way you can't really it's unfair to compare Looney Tunes to, you know, a Netflix or Blockbuster to a to a live action movie. You can't really compare everything with everything, even in the magic space. No. Like it just doesn't work like that. And there's different dynamics, economics, as you said, like different production teams. That's the beauty of YouTube. And I, I think the more that I, uh, I try to understand it, not not as well as you and others, but like the more I understand at least this bit, which is like, there's no one path and it's unique. Everybody like people get to a million subs or like whatever magical metric through different ways. And it's just like, uh, I think you mentioned this last time too. It's like, you can't really just like, chase the formula because you're just going to burn out or you're just not going to be that interested anyway. It's like you could chase. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's bounds to what you can do. Right. And even doing the Warhammer thing, I have a bigger appreciation now for hundred K for you because like that was a risky move, right? Like, did you ever, um, did you ever think about just like, I need to pull the plug on this at some point? Cause it's, it sounded to me like if I were you, I was maybe close to that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think I ever thought about pulling the plug on it because I, don't, I think I saw it a bit like um, early, the early magic content that I made that no one watched, right? It's a bit of that as well. So I was like, and also if my end goal, my end goal really is, not end goal, but one of my later goals is to make sure that people stick around for me and not just the magic drama or the latest magic tech or magic memes or whatever. Yeah. So in some ways it was like, well, if this doesn't work, it, it gives me a litmus test for what can happen in the future. So I just was persevering with it also i was enjoying making the videos i actually warhammer wednesday was a regular thing for like 30 weeks and then now it's more like warhammer every third or fourth wednesday which is the joke i make um but just simply because i got a bit burnt out competitive warhammer was a bit rough for a couple months because some of the new books were really broken uh so i stood off from it so basically i'm making stuff that i enjoy um and that helps me stay motivated so you'll, you'll notice sometimes like not you but viewers there'll be like no legacy or modern on the channel for a few months there hasn't been for a little while i'm streaming it a bit because i will find the formats frustrating to play so i'll just stop for a bit there's an element of that 
and I always want that to be a thing I can do. I never want to be locked into making the same episode every set date because then you're kind of mm -hmm. a prisoner that you in a prison you've in a prison of your own making as well. And I never want to do that. Yeah. I just want to make the things that I enjoy. Or well, there's two elements I enjoy and I think will succeed. And those are always cross over. But as long as I'm doing this one, I guess I'm having fun. So mm -hmm. yeah, I never thought about jacking it in, but. But the same extension, I'm not doing it regularly. If there's a Wednesday and I think there's something else that I need to make that's more successful, but I'll also enjoy making, I'll do that instead. And that's why there's not been so many mm -hmm. Warhammer videos lately. Like, there'll be... Wizards mm -hmm. just drop a stream talking about, I don't know, whatever the... Uh, Dominar United spoilers. And like, well, actually, I think that's topical and I'm interested, so I'll do it. And stuff like that. Yeah. So never jack it in, but do put it on the bench to do other things sometimes. How have your views about the YouTube algorithm developed over time? uh i think there is a we, we kind of covered this a little bit earlier there is a push towards um you need to have a click uniformity thumb or... no you want oh, uniformity okay, okay, but that, like yeah. well, uniformity of attitude people want to click the thing that like kind of provokes them a little bit uh so uh shitty like attitudes towards things um uh, things that are funny or make them laugh, things that make them ask them that question sort of thing. All the, all the stuff that people talk about how your thumbs and titles should be. And like I said earlier, sometimes my videos would be really rational and sometimes they'll even be like, this all really doesn't matter and we don't really need to be mad about this. But I can't put a thumb being like, we don't need to be mad about this because people won't click it. So it has to be, it has to be something that shocks them, provokes them. You gotta them get them something. in the door first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the same yeah. as writing headlines. Um, for for mm -hmm. articles and news media and shit like that. The word clickbait gets thrown around a lot. But if you deliver on your initial thumb or title, it's not really clickbait. Clickbait is the idea of like mm -hmm. the, the bait and switch, right? You, you give you say it's going to be bait one and thing. Switches, you give you're nothing. not actually delivering. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, clickbait is incredibly effective, but clickbait, as we refer to it in the comment section of YouTube videos, isn't really what clickbait is. So yeah, I think that's a big thing you got to think about now. I really spend way more time on my thumbnails and titles than I ever used to, and sometimes it's just, but then you put sometimes I think I'm good at it, and then I'll put out a video that fucking stinks and doesn't do very well, and I'm like, well, maybe I have no idea what I'm doing, and this has all been luck up until now. Um, yeah, but yesterday's video, I put I put three headshots in it of the three players, and the fourth one was spiffing Brit. Didn't put his headshot in though because no one knows what he fucking looks like. I put his logo because people. No, yeah, he's only got a, like, animated himself in his videos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then my comments are overwhelmingly like, holy shit, is that what Spiffing Brit looks like? But yeah, I use I even, I even <laughs> message him going, by the way, I'm going to use your logo if that's okay with you, because if I put your face in it, it's significantly less clicks. I'm going to use your logo. He's like, yeah, of mm -hmm. course. He knows He knows the game. He's, he's, he's been doing it long enough. Um, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, YouTube punishes uh, you, you in some ways. I, I wanted to put a thumbnail yesterday saying, what the fuck is going on? I made the thumbnail saying that. I used it on Twitter and on Discord as a joke, but on YouTube you can't put that because if the if the image recognition system sees a boob and ass or the word fuck it, it will yeah profanity you. yeah so I, yeah so you are hamper so it hampers you right because you've got to lean towards that provocative thing so I respect yeah. Mister Teddy for like his artsy fartsy minimalist titles and minimalist thumbs and stuff I love that I love mm. that he managed to do that and still be successful but I can't mm. I've, I I you know I can't do that I've got to provoke the click a bit more. I've talked to Sam twice, and he's very anti uh, YouTube algorithm. He was he was basically uh, telling me that um, you know leave that to the peasants like me who 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 you know who who has like you know is trying to grow as quickly as possible. And he was just saying like uh, he he actually said like 
in an alternate reality, I like to try like maybe starting a brand new channel and just use all the YouTube hacks and see how quickly I can get to like a certain sub target. Like mm -hmm. he, he, he knows, I, I, I think he knows that, um, his principles are holding him back basically. Yes. Um, so Sam is probably one of my favorite people in the space, especially as a creator. So I, I have loved Vistic Study stuff since before he was Vistic Studies, back when he was Magic Man Sam. Magic Man a, Sam, yeah. Yeah, that was his old name. And before he did a video essay, back when he was doing like um, elaborate pack openings for Modern Masters 1 with like skits with a, like, a wizard that had brought the packs to him and stuff. Like his old school shit. We and him have talked about this. That um, he was, him and like Seth from Goldfish were two of my like bigger inspirations and in, like what I've done. And I've said this to him to his face. I've said, dude, you were like the when you started to like um branch out and start doing the video essays and stuff it really inspired me to step up my game in in some respects so i love the guy and i've said this to him as well uh, i think he might have a bit of pretense or pretentiousness to the way he approaches youtube because he his background's academia and like art criticism so he approaches it yeah. like academia and mm -hmm. art criticism like for a while he was not putting adverts in his videos and wouldn't take a sponsor and i'm like if you are going to end up going full-time with this because he wasn't sure for a while that he might go off to a different career i was like mm -hmm. you're gonna have to fucking mm -hmm. suck that up my friend and get on with it because you're gonna have to pay your bills and uh unless your patreon is massive that's not gonna work um and i right. think now he's he has made some concessions i think he'll admit to having sponsors and stuff yeah uh, but he, he never wanted to disrupt the flow of his videos so you never want an advert to right. show up midpoint and stuff like that, which I completely respect. But at the same time, the mm -hmm. audience also kind of respects it and understands where, where we're at in terms of the modern landscape. Right? Mm -hmm. And also people just put ad blocker on, I'm... so it doesn't really matter anyway. <laughs> if you mm -hmm. really want to have that mm -hmm. video flow well, just stick your ad blocker on, you know? So I love the guy, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, pre the pretense, of, I was always like, nah, man, this is going to this is gonna really hamper you. And, and he doesn't deserve to be hampered because the stuff he makes is so great, so... I know it's it's like I'm I'm not as Asian and I, I love Sam. I'm just I'm just representing um what he said to me um mm. in in when we had a conversation. Uh you know, he said he'll never he'll never do a TikTok. Like I'd rather um do something else with my life. And I'm really conflicted because I'm I'm always somebody and I suspect you might be as well. I'm just someone who's like very much about results. Like I'm not talking about content, I'm just talking about yeah. life, right? Like um... in the end, I don't I mean, I'm not, I'm not, please, please don't take this as like, I'm talking about Sam this way. I'm just saying yeah, that yeah, like, absolutely. this is like a segue where I'm just saying like, I can fully lean into the thumbnail and headline stuff because it's about like beginner's mind. Like you, you always should keep like, stay fresh and you should always be thinking about like, uh, how do I achieve this goal of having someone watch what I do? Because you have to believe that it's worth watching in the first place. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a content creator. And second, like, it's once they're in, you're not lying to them, as you said. And and third, it's like results matter. Like, I don't want to have principle or ideology hold me back from yeah. like what I wanted to do in the first place. Like, it just feels really like a, it's just like an extra complication that if, if you shouldn't you, need to have if you write your opinion. essay or your novel in a sanctuary on a mountain in italy and then it never gets seen or never gets read by anyone else what's the fucking point like that's i've always had this perception towards yeah. like art uh academia and then you even need like an audience media. yeah exactly yeah. like 
like say you make these things for yourself i don't know if i necessarily agree anyone can say that very honestly uh, and that's stuff part of the online environment mm. is trying to find that thing and i i get i get his resistance to tiktok i find tiktok absolutely i think 99 percent of the stuff on tiktok is literal garbage but it's the future and also it's a it's a it's a, a fledgling platform and or medium right like youtube doesn't look like it mm. did 10 years ago so short form content mm. will grow and change as well so I make I make TikToks on occasion. I upload I re-upload a lot of my shorts just as TikToks because that's getting extra value and like you know more eyes on them in different. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the multi-platform thing is the way to go. And uh, I have to say I experienced this firsthand. Well, like, well, you I, say, not a... go on. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. Go on, go on. Oh no, I, uh, sorry. I'll just finish this real quick. Like I I I, uh, I like you know these long interviews are not very engaging, so I cut them up into shorts, which is like one minute, and I, yeah. I posted them. I did one with Happy Toe Claws recently. And it was a lot, very popular, like the one yeah. minute sound bites. And that's what, when I realized too, is like, I need to actually remix my content. It doesn't mean that I stopped doing these interviews. I love doing these like interviews that are probably like boring the guests, but I, I'm really into it. And, uh, and you know, I like having conversations and I can figure out ways to like remix and cut it up so I can still, uh, rationalize myself that I should do it because well, I'm not be... a person who like wants to do something else. There so. can also be highlights and trailers, right? For the longer form content. Because might be you're joking that might be boring, but someone else might want to put us on the back in the background while they're uh, sorting out their magic card collection, or they're painting their models, or they're mm -hmm. doing a laborious task mm -hmm. to do their job or whatever. Um, but they may not mm -hmm. click through or know where it is because they're just not aware of it. So having short form content go viral or get some traction elsewhere helps with that, right? Um, right. I think that's definitely a very good point. Like your short form. In addition to your long form helps in that sense, especially with like reels and TikToks and shorts being so pushed by all these like media conglomerate fucking monsters. Um, I do think though that diversifying can be a bit of an issue if if you are spreading your attention too thin, and also if you are looking mm -hmm. to monetize in a way because like some of these platforms don't monetize very well. Like I met a creator at like a Wizards thing recently for Nuka Penna who had like three just shy of three million followers on tiktok and i asked all oh, right so like you're full-time and they were like no i i work in a juice bar in london um and i make all these tiktoks tiktok like, is notoriously difficult to monetize it's it's, like, it's it, fucking there's no wild. real end game yeah and instagram isn't yeah. far different either really like um both inherent like brand deals are how you do on TikTok, instagram for the most part i believe but but yeah so if you are wanting like weirdly youtube ad money isn't good but it's actually one of the better ones. Like before we even get, let's not talk about mm -hmm. Twitch streaming and how fucking hard it is to grow an audience and get monetized there as well. So the point I'm getting at is like diversifying is good, but also focusing on one platform that you might be able to either A, put more out on and gain some traction or B, monetize in a better way if you're at that stage is probably what, like if I was talking to myself ten, uh, three years ago, I would be like, just focus on getting YouTube videos to a point that people want to show up each time. Um, and now I'm trying to talk to myself mm -hmm. about like, talk myself into, no, Vince, put a little bit of effort into these other platforms. Um, but sometimes I won't post on Instagram for like a month because it's just, again, how much time does one human being have? Is the other one. I keep coming back to that, yeah. right? Time is, time is valuable. Time is currency. And dude, I'm feeling that. I'm doing this part-time and I'm already feeling like, you know, I, you know, it took me like two hours to do, maybe I'm just slow, but it took me two hours to do a, a one minute tappy clip because I had to do the subtitles. I had to like cut it in a way that um, it could work in a minute and, and then upload it. And then like, it was, it did pretty well, but it's just like, at what cost? Right. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes you got, uh, you've got yeah, to, was, you got to put the effort in early on for a lower return to reap the return later. 
but you don't know if that's yeah coming. yeah it's that's kind of like too. it's analogous to yeah. the gym right people say like you don't see the gym is or being fit and i'm not fit by the way i've been to the gym today for the first time in like three weeks but people say about how fitness journeys are difficult because you don't see any results for quite some time would that be dieting to lose weight or right. fitness journeys and stuff i think content creation can be a lot like that because you might put like like you said two hours in getting like subtitles into the video making it both accessible and and also just much more desirable to watch with the sound off for example it's worth doing that because more people are going to watch it but then the return on the investment might mm. be really shit at that point in time but then that has like yeah. a tr you build traction traction is this idea that that feeds into the next one and the next one and eventually you get right. a return which is definitely what happened with me like i put so much effort into my early videos uh alongside a full-time job yeah. like 10 plus hours of editing fucking mtgo gameplay to get it to a point that was like you know enjoyable to watch and it worked yeah. but back then the what was i getting for that zero money but there's absolutely no money and just spending right. all my free time doing that so you either see it as a hobby that you enjoy or you see it as a thing that you're going to try and get some return out of later much like going to the gym and seeing zero results day in day out yeah but eventually there should be a knock-on effect some tra traction i guess i've never i've never had that analogy thank before, you but i think it's a good one i think thank you for saying that because i i actually do need to hear that just now and I do agree that it's like a gradual thing. So the way I rationalize it is like, I'm still having fun doing it, which is why like, I wouldn't do it. Like, even if I was getting paid a lot of money to do it right now, which I, I'm not, but if I, if I were getting paid a lot of money, but I hated it, I would definitely not do it. I will walk away or, or so I tell myself, um, but everything I'm doing right now, like I'm, I'm getting a little bit better, 1% better making a thumbnail every time. So I feel like that's like compounding. So uh something i'm doing now it's although it's not great like it will it will build up and something that you and others have inspired me is just like you got to do a fucking ton of like content before you're anywhere like i'm not saying i have a great podcast right i'm still actually trying to find the right audience because i know i don't know how many people are into this stuff i i have i have like a small fan base right but like even for me uh humans and magic like i feel much better as an interviewer now despite being really terrible today you're probably thinking like why is james like interrupting me all the time but i i feel so much more in my element than when we recorded that first one like it's just getting reps in and it's just like there's no there's no there's no shortcut for that so i i don't know i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say here but it's like uh i, I needed it, to hear that from you Thank you, you have to YouTube. yeah it's, it's about motivation as well right like you've you've this sort of stuff provokes some sort of motivation towards an end goal. There is a sadness in the sense that a lot of people put a lot of effort in and it never goes anywhere. Because, like we said very early on in this, sometimes it's luck and sometimes it's situation and sometimes it's right place, right time. But, um, yeah, you've got to be willing to put the effort in, otherwise it doesn't go anywhere. Like, um, but mm. I guess I, I, always wanted to, I always wanted to put stuff out there, whether it would be uh, commentary or criticism or reviews or very early on it was i want to be a writer and stuff and like write fiction and things so that in some ways is good because that motivated me to do it but i think most people who pick up trying to make content they want one of two things or maybe both they want to put something out there that's created by them but they also want some recognizability and some i guess clout to use a word that's often negative um i assume both yep. of those are part of it i assume both of those are part of it uh so i guess mm -hmm. yeah as long as you find enjoyment in that in the first place you can use that to motivate yourself on towards the trying to find the results that come further down the line it's very rare you put out one video mm -hmm. it's, it's very rare you do a spice eight rack you put out one video and then it blows up it's very rare <laughs> is that what happened to him i know um, the, i know the lad is only like what 26 years old and he's like killing it 
Yeah, I believe their first video. Um, yeah, I think it was the Goblins one, wasn't it? Wasn't Spice's first video that? So, um, again, this is not this is not criticism. It's more observations of other people in the community. Like I love Spice. I think they're great. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they just came out of nowhere with one very successful video. Although they had a background in like poetry and another YouTube channel that they tried to do stuff with before and things outside of magic. So it's not like a overnight bang. Here's a thing. They mm-hmm. already honed their craft a little bit. So actually, yeah, even in that example, they'd yeah. already been on stage presenting. They'd already done some videos elsewhere. Yeah, so yeah. There the were a lot of things of, that went into it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So and there's, there's that too. So people do come out of nowhere. Um, I hit your deck was prior, prior to the absolute meltdown. We won't go into too much, but they came out of nowhere. But they came out of nowhere because one of them had a background in acting and the other one had a background in um, production. So that again wasn't out of nowhere. It wasn't just two dudes right. made a show straight away. It was two dudes the background and a home skill and craft set got there. So even the yep. ones that just seem to crop up out of nowhere normally crop out of nowhere because uh, are you aware the Lizzo quote? Uh, hang on, I'll say the quote and see if you know it. So Lizzo, the, the hip hop artist, recently said that um, uh, oh, the key to overnight success is years of work because you don't see the years of work and then you have the overnight success. So it's, I'm paraphrasing for a little bit. And I think that's awesome because mm-hmm. I'm like that is so the same for any creative pursuit. No one just comes so out true. of nowhere and just, like, just blows it out of the water. Even the most successful like, artists in the world who seem to be like sudden, you know, like post Malone and stuff, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. there is a lot of uh, training or talent. I mean, he's very young, so maybe Post is actually an exception to this because he blew up when he was like 19, didn't he? Like he was so young. But yeah, you would normally craft your skills for years. Oh, I'm pretty sure he was been doing music for like, yeah, I, I understand. Like every yeah, since his like, teens, yeah, your yeah. life experience helps. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think his sure. father was in music production. I don't think it's an element of nepotism, but I think his father would have actually, like, he would have been in a studio space at some point, so he's learned something there as well. Like, yeah, you have to start somewhere. So even if you've never done anything at this point, don't expect your first thing to be good, but realize that if you put the effort in, it may be good at some point. Or at least, not even, not even good, because good is a subjective term, right? It may be worthwhile to someone at some point. Hell, it might be worthwhile now. This is kind of the point of putting the effort in. The things you put out now might be actually fucking banging, or at least saying something interesting in the production shit. But then, it takes time to find to build the audience so people can see it. I, guess, I think I've always been saying smart things my entire life, but it's only now that people are listening. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. That's right. You just needed to build your platform. Like it was there all along. The the the, the genius. The genius. Yeah. Um, that's right. The the method behind the genius is madness. Um, how did you how did you celebrate 100k? Um, I got really excited on my Discord. A little call. People were saying I just hit it, and then I, me and my wife were meant to go for a meal, and we didn't. So we just ordered uh, like Chinese food. <laughs> Had that at home. Um, I ordered my plaque a little bit later. It showed up. I took a photo with it. I did a thank you video on YouTube that bombed because that was way too positive and not provocative enough. Um, and that <laughs> was kind of it. Brand, I guess. Yeah, I didn't really. Look, people on my Discord were saying like eat some cereal off of it, and someone else. Like, apparently, the meta game for big end creators now is to smash them up and they get them, which seems a bit indignant. Um, and I said that none of no, those things going to happen because, like, I hate to be like really overly wholesome here, but this is like a prized possession of mine, and this is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So now I think I'm just going to quietly be very happy mm-hmm. and 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 excited, and then. And then stop. And then I cracked on making more videos. <laughs> so there was that. Yeah. That's that's the right answer, man. Just uh, 
you celebrate the wins, but you, 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 then you, you keep going, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, you don't, you don't just stop. Like it's, it's, it, it never ends. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll be waiting, we'll be waiting for your plaque for, um, two fifty or whenever the next one is, but I know you're not thinking about that every day, but just, just like, just keep working. Right. That's what it, Let's just have that work ethic. I don't have to tell you. You know that. So. Yeah. yeah. Keep on keeping on. I joked earlier about the hamster <laughs> in the hamster world, but you kind of have to. You have to keep making. There's no. There's no respite. There's no break from it. You have to keep making stuff, which is both a blessing and a curse. It's a good and a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, last question for you, PK. What's the best place for people to find your content, or where, or where you would like to be found? Uh, so youtube.com forward slash present Kenobi is where all the magic happens in the sense that that is where all my content is. Um, I do stream a little bit on Twitch although I'm thinking of moving across to YouTube. That's a whole different conversation. Uh, but I still stream on occasion on twitch.tv forward slash present Kenobi on uh, Monday nights. Uh, and then uh, Dice Removal was the podcast that I'm on with Professor. That's over at Today in Community College. I'm sure you found that before. And then I'm also super active on Twitter. Uh, TikTok and Instagram, all present Kenobi as well. But um, yeah, YouTube's the main place. I put out far too much shit on that platform um but some of that shit's good i think <laughs> you the viewer you the listener can be the be the decider of that you be the judge yes yeah pointing at the camera um thank you so much for putting up with me for the last uh no, James, it's cool. it's and fun. i hope it's you fun. have i hope you have an excellent rest of the day i mean i'm seriously i i i can almost feel myself just like being really cringe at times interrupting you but I, I i appreciate you doing this i i truly do no thanks for having me on it's a good chat